Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Yep. Of course. <laughs> well, as soon as I start the call, it records. Oh, okay. Nah, I'll shut it off. You don't test it or anything? Nah. I got, there's a little meter on the recorder if I can see what's going on. Okay. Alright, we'll start that. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. Hi, I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. How's it going, Kevin? It's going good, man. How's it going with you? Good, good. Today's episode is number 24, RC Myths. So, uh, yeah, how was your weekend? My week? Ugh. It's been ridiculous with work and stuff, and I really I really want to punch the next weatherman I run into. Every now and then I work in the city. You're in the city every day. Mm-hmm. New York City, that is. And uh, if I ever see a weatherman on the street, I think I'm going to actually like, be arrested. <laughs> because all week long they kept saying it's going to rain Saturday. It's going to be terrible. It's going to rain Sunday. Uh-huh. And we got no rain on Saturday. And I think yeah. Sunday we had a little bit of rain. We had a little bit in like the early afternoon. And then it became like an awesome day. Like yeah. The sun broke. It was nice. I wish I wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, you were working all, all weekend. Yeah. So I really I didn't do any flying, which is, man, which is very strange because I don't think I've missed a weekend in God, I couldn't even since tell you. Since the winter. Yeah. yeah. Since like last year. Yeah. Like you we were through flying, the winter. We were flying through the winter, Christmas, mm-hmm. all that. And yeah. yeah I, maybe there was one weekend I didn't go down to the field because it was like negative 40 or something. Right. But dude, yeah, I was like, oh, uh, I was jonesing. I didn't even sim anything. So I no? was. Wow. I was 3D printing stuff for uh, that big plane that I'm working on. And it's intricate. It's just. Like it has wood braces, and I'm 3D printing all the, all the the connecting pieces. So I have okay. to model all those, and it's it's just it's an adventure, man. It's like I have to get it how I want to get it before I actually fold the Dollar Tree over the top of it, right. you know, and make everything up on the inside. And then I have to figure out how I'm going to join it together. So I have two wings to join together, which are, geez, 47 inches a piece. Wow. And then I have to figure out how to attach those because the wooden pieces that come up off the fuselage are angled. So it's like you can't just have like a cup or a straight like box piece that goes onto the wood. Now I have to figure out how to put that on and have put bracing piece. It's going to be it's going to be fun to try and get this all together. But uh, yeah, it's coming out. All right. I, I think I'm actually going to wind up having two pieces um I don't want to get into too much detail, uh, uh-huh. but uh, I think the things will be different here and there. Nice, oh, but it's it's so much it's so much fun, and I'm really glad I built a small one because I'm not really worried about the servos, and I'm probably going to do a dual elevator, like two two elevator servos. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, it's 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 cool because I'm not really mess I'm not really worried about that stuff. I'm just trying to get how I'm going to get all the rest of this stuff together. Right, right. But it's coming out. It's coming along pretty good. And every time I like put a piece together, I'm like, geez, this thing is freaking huge. <laughs> that picture you sent with just a top wing, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's humongous. I just I don't even know how it's gonna fit in the R V, even in pieces. Well, We're like I just... said, the the fuse uh will be one piece and mm-hmm. and the wing to, will be in two pieces. Yeah. But still, like I mean the fuse is 
as long as big once you get that horizontal fin and get all the vertical fin and all that put on it's gonna basically we'll just have to put it on the, the queen size bed on the rv just kind of transport that way because i don't even think it'll fit up on the the over deck i guess you call it yeah over deck. Um, yeah yeah where we had your uh, mustang last year so yeah yeah and I, yeah i took the the small one and i cut the i added to the rudder okay I, I cut the elevator down like another two inches i think or close to it just to to try and get it to look somewhat scale and Mm-hmm. I angled the motor, like somewhat to the angle of the bushwhacker, and uh, okay. hopefully I can fly that or try flying that again this weekend. See how that goes. So, how did you angle the motor? I know you have a power pod in there, right? Like an FT Design power pod. Yeah, it's kind of like okay. half of that. Okay. It's kind of like cut half, half, half as long. Yeah. So then, how did you angle it in there? Because I know the the fuselage is kind of a box shape. Well, yeah, it's. And the bo- it's half a box and half turtle deck, so mm-hmm. the half box piece I kind of cut at an angle, and then oh, okay. I glued two pieces of foam to the side of the of the power pod mm-hmm. at the angle where I wanted it to like angle down a little bit, and then I kind of right. glued that in on the angle, like flat to the other pieces. Okay, and it was <laughs> it wasn't then I then I just cut away the excess more or less. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna bring that out this weekend? Yeah, I want to see if I want to see how that if that made a difference. Yeah, now I'm curious. You know, like with the smaller planes, you got to angle the the motor and stuff. Like, how, do you think you still need to do the same thing with the 200 percent version? Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. Because I feel like I don't think uh, the the Mustang is angled at all. Right. I think the bigger the plane is, the less um, thrust angle you need because. The plane is so big, right? You have so much wing surface area and stuff, so it doesn't want to rock or, you know, fly crooked, basically. Man, I hope so. <laughs> and I've been looking yeah. at motors and ESCs, man. I, I mm-hmm. Dude, I think I'm going to be up there. Like, I might get the same motor that I have for the Mustang. I might go one larger, which would be the one like Nick had. Yeah. Um, And I'll probably get, like, a one, 120 ESC or something or because I think I'm going to freaking have to run, like, a 20-inch prop on this thing, man. Yeah. Because I, I, I got my 11.5s for this one. So, I mean, I'm going to be at least up up there with the the large one, you know? Right, with the diameter for sure. prop size, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it should be fun. Nice. And I'm so, like, I'm not, it's fun, but I'm I'm kind of freaking out because I want to get this done. I want to get it painted. I have a, I have a picture in my mind of what I want it to look like, and mm-hmm. I really don't want to let the flight test guys down because you know they sent me that whole box of foam and they were like, "You got to build something cool." So I was like, "I got to build something cool, man." <laughs> right, you know? right. So yeah. I don't know. I wish I <laughs> I I, I uh, wish I had more time, but um, I am making the best of it. I'm trying to get it banged out. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not waiting until the last minute. Yeah. Unlike me. <laughs> so what have you been up to, man? Uh, work has been just freaking crazy. Basically, we, you know, my, I mean, I don't want to go too much into it, but basically my company moved. We moved about 500 people from one building to another building. So it's just been a lot of, you know, 10 to 12 hour days just getting stuff set up before the big move, which was this past Monday, um, just yesterday. So, um, but, but yeah, you, but you guys moved over the weekend. 
yeah, we moved over the weekend. But the move, like, I didn't actually physically move anything. It's more like from Wednesday, we had to label everything that we were moving. And then the movers came in. But as things were trickling in, we'd have to set up, you know, printers, phones. We had to patch out, yeah. like, literally had to patch out, like, a thousand network connections and set VLANs and stuff. So it just started getting really crazy. Um, you know, it was good that I didn't have to actually come in on Sunday, but I did work from home um, a good chunk of the day. So so I wasn't able to go flying at our field or anything. But besides work, um, yeah, it felt like I haven't flown in, like, a year. I know it's only been. I only missed one weekend, but I know, right? It feels like it's been months be- since we flew. You know, flew. So, um, uh, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm hoping that I'll have a day next week. Um, you know, this week is the move week, so we. I don't want to take any days off because there's a lot of you know post move support that I need to do. But uh, next week, I'm hoping to get a a day. You know, kind of like a time and loot deal since work the weekend. To get a day off, and I just want to go straight to the field and fly. You know, just fly all day. Nice. So I'm gonna to try to pick the best day I can. You know, weatherman prediction permitting, I guess. <laughs> and right. uh, yeah, and see what I can, what day I can take off, and hopefully do that. But I have been simming. I've been simming almost every night. Awesome, man. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, it's I sim, I crash. All I do is crash. <laughs> I don't, and it's kind of nervous because like I got, you know, Mike, our co president's like, oh, we got this family and kids day. It's on June twelfth. Can you know me and and our another pilot, John? He's like, you know, can you guys do a demo flight with your seven hundreds? And I'm like, I'm not that good, but you know, I'll sport fly around and maybe do a little bit of three D or mild three D. He's like, yeah, you know, I mean, these are kids. They're gonna be impressed by just the size and the noise it makes, anyways. But, you know, I'm trying to develop a routine, which I've never done before. Um, I don't know if there's going to be music. Probably not. But, you know, and for me, I just I want to get some kind of routine where, like, I can link, you know, move after move after move and not, like, have to reset and come back into a tail and hover to do something else. So, right. So I've been simming a lot trying to develop something. And I have, like, a first, you know, first 30 seconds down. Like, I, I basically I take off. I do some pyros. I do some, you know, pitch pumps to get my fingers and mind like in sync with how much I have to do, you know, move. And then I basically go nose in, flip the helicopter, come out doing a half pure flip. And then I, then I go tail in and do a tail in, um, hurricane, a uh, upright backwards hurricane. Jeez. And then, you know, yeah. And then I go into like a hurricane into a, uh, you know, a couple of flips and then I do some TikToks because I'm really used to doing that type of move. And then I go into big loops, but, um, you know, every time I tried on a sim, you know, like the first 30 seconds, I was like, cool, I got this, I got this. And it's like, uh, helicopters all over the place, and I'm just so messy. <laughs> but, yeah, I've been, you know, I just got to practice. And I just keep on practicing the same move, like same routine over and over again until I have it down. So I've been working on that. I got, I got my uh, couple parts for the 380. They came from uh, Heli Direct. So I got the new... Um, Goblin 380 uh, KC skids. I really like the way they rake back, so I, I ordered that. I nice. got some placement parts, tail shaft, and uh, tail shafts, the tail spindle, and just kind of rebuilt the whole like tail assembly there. Cool. So now, Did so now that's some shiny stuff. You send us pictures of something shiny. Yeah. So, um, or am I jumping the gun? No, no, that's cool. <laughs> so yesterday, my Lynx order finally came in. 
Um, this is my first order as team rep, so I got a, a huge banner, um, you know, T-shirts, hats, part of the kind of you know first order rep program, cool. and then um, and then I ordered like tons of parts, tons for the Oxy Tariq to get that flying, uh, get that rebuilt, and then I ordered a couple parts for the 380. I have the uh, the aluminum servo mounts because the 380 comes with plastic ones and i just kind of wanted to get rid of the plastic stuff um so i got that i'm gonna install that hopefully tonight or tomorrow and i also got the lynx dfc upgrade arms so i want to try that out and see how the dfc arms you know work on the 380 cool. and to and today i just got my hobby wing 100 version 3 uh low voltage uh esc so that's going in there, matching up with the X Nova Tariq motor. So that should be pretty cool. That's going in the 380. Yeah. Oh jeez, you got an X Nova motor for that? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Send that a picture. That thing's gonna scream. <laughs> the way I run it. The way you run you know? it. Yeah. So it should do nice. Uh, it should be real nice. And just, I, I really like the X Novas, the way they look, and uh, how you know they come down pretty cool compared to the Scorpions or any other motor I, I've ran. So. Give yeah, that a shot. that's cool, dude. I, you know, when I hear you say Lynx, I always think Oxy, and I never think, oh yeah, they have parts for other helis. So, that's yeah, cool, I mean, Lynx heli di- innovation or heli division? No, it's innovation. Is um, it's all pretty much upgrade parts for the major brands. Yeah, the Oxy is just a, uh, you know, another company that that came out of uh, Luca. Who um, is their helicopter line, right? Their oxy line. So, so they're they're basically the same company, but they are two kind of entities of it. So, like you can get your oxy helicopters, you can get your Lynx parts for other helicopters, you can get Lynx parts for oxy helicopters. You know, so um, it yeah. kind of works like that. Yeah. Cool. Oh so, man, yeah. I want to see that. You better be throwing that Tariq around, dude. Yeah, hopefully throwing it around in the air and not on the ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this last repair was pretty intensive. I didn't think when I hit the ground and I looked at the helicopter, it's like, oh, I broke a link or two, and you know the blades got trashed. You know, so I'm like, eh, it's not that bad. But um, you know, after taking everything apart, like the tail boom was bent, I broke this little tail mount thing inside the tail boom. You know, I broke a quite a bit of stuff, shredded the gear, main shaft. You know, it was just a whole list of parts. Um, That's funny because I could say the same thing about my sport. It didn't look that bad, but man, I spent half the night trying to get the main gear separated from the main shaft because I snapped that bolt off. Yeah, it was pretty intense. I take the whole thing apart. That's weird because every time I shear that bolt, it's basically because you know your your gear stops or your one way stops, and then like the head moves or vice versa, right? Like to shear it off. Yeah. And usually I could just pop the whole main shaft off with the, the broken piece inside there. And then I could just tap it out with a, like a 1.5 millimeter and, a, and like a wrench. Yeah, this thing was in there good, man. Yeah. I did a number on it. <laughs> on that Tariq crash, I broke both. I broke the, the bottom and the top. Oh, man. The Jesus bolt and the, the main gear uh, bolt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really did a number on that one. And it didn't even what? sound bad. It didn't really look bad. It's just... Yeah, I was so low to the ground and I was under power, so just foop. Those things are impressive, man. I gotta tell you. Yeah. Especially with my history coming from the four fifty days with all the linkage and 
mm-hmm. slide bar and stuff, and it's just, man, you breathe on it and you break something, or uh, it flies right and you're okay in your driveway and you take it out to the field and it's a mess. Yeah, yeah, when you get to like really open it up and not just hover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's uh, so man, I'm I'm having a good time with the oxies. I love them. They're they're, they're awesome. awesome little helis, man. They really are. I'm no longer a goblin fanboy. Well, I really don't know if I was a goblin fanboy. I don't know, man. You have two and two now. Yeah, right. <laughs> two and two. Two and two. We'll be back in two and two. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about buying another ox. You have no idea what I'm talking about. No idea. Remember Chuck Woolery? We'll be back in two and two. No. Okay. I know there's some people out there to remember. But anyways, you're going to buy what? Another what? I'm thinking about buying another oxy. Really? Yeah. The Oxy 4? Well, yeah. <laughs> so that's going to probably be my next helicopter purchase. So uh, that one plus another when one? It comes out. Or no? no, no, just the Oxy 4. Oh, wow. Oh, I was joking around. No, no, seriously, yeah. I, I mean, I love the 3 so much. Like, they're such great helicopters. You know, the 4, I think, will be an, a nice addition to the fleet, even though it would be very similar size to... I mean, actually, actually, it's probably smaller than a standard 450 because it does run smaller blades. But not much, right? Like 315s or something? Yeah. With, I don't know if you need to stretch it to get 325s or if it can handle 325s right out the box. I, and like, I'm thinking to myself, who has an Oxy that really likes it that won't buy an Oxy 4? I mean, like almost nobody. If you have one and you're flying it and you're having a great time with it, you're definitely uh-huh. going to buy a 4. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be... That much better, that much cooler. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeesh. So we'll see. Um, I mean, I, I haven't heard any news about it. I know they're like on the final, you know, R and D version of it. So I don't know if it's gone into production yet, and they're just you know ramping up uh, production before they release it. Yeah, who knows? But I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, that was like the thing that everyone was talking about as far as the Oxy line in uh, Urcha last year. So I'm and hoping. When's, when's Urcha in August? Yeah, it's August. Uh, maybe it's like the first something. or second week of August. Yeah, maybe they'll release it in August. That'd be great. Maybe they'll reveal something there. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's talk about our main topic now. So we got. So you found this link, right, to RC Myths, and we can link it later. Yeah. In the show notes. Yeah, it was it's, deep in the bowels of the internet. <laughs> in the, the dark web. No. The dark web. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've been hearing too much about that lately for some reason. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I don't want to get into it maybe off the air. Yeah. So so it was basically um, 10 myths and primarily about RC airplane, um, you know, getting into flying RC airplanes. I want to expand it beyond just RC airplanes and also into RC helicopters and multirotors. But we'll kind of take each myth and, and break it apart and see if we can bust any of them or if they're true and just kind of see, uh, kind of converse about this stuff. So uh, let's start with the first myth. Myth number one, learning to fly an RC model airplane is hard. So the, the writer of this article wrote, nothing could be further from the truth using any number of ready-to-fly RC airplanes that come complete and ready to fly out the box. There's no building involved. You have no worries of damage during the inevitable crashes as these foam aircrafts are so lightweight. Yeah, see, and I, I wrote a couple of examples. One was the night paper and one was the duet. 
And that was because yeah. because he had written that last sentence that said, you know, they have, their foam aircraft are so lightweight. There's no worries if you're going to damage it on crash. But those are the only two I could think of and come up with. I mean, the night I mean, vapor, you really can't destroy that thing unless you're flying it in some serious wind that you shouldn't be flying in. Yeah, but that's not even made out of foam. No, it's carbon true. fiber and um, and like plastic, <laughs> like plastic sheathing. Yeah, but, so um, I guess really you could and the duet. I think you could actually dis- destroy that if you were. Well, I mean, let's go through a couple of the planes that we've owned, right? I or I've owned. I've owned a duet, crash it. It's pretty robust. It really is for the size of airplane. It's a three-channel. It, it does come ready to fly with battery and charger and everything right out the box. You just need, like... Actually, I think it even comes with AA batteries to charge the, the battery comes with. But, you know, I've had, like, the... Uh, which is the, the Carbon Cub? The small one? Yeah. The red one that I think you have now? Yeah, yep. I mean, and I've flown that, and boom, one crash. Cracked the wing in half. yeah. You know, yeah, those little micros, like I'd say the, the same UMX thing. Ones. Yeah, I'd say the same thing with the beast. Right, you had the beast. How how did that handle no crash? Not too good. Yeah, you're able to fix it, but yeah, mm-hmm. you can't just pick it up and fly it again. Yeah, the wings come apart. You're flying around now. The wings are separating, and I've replaced. Right. I think I've replaced almost everything on that. Yeah. I think so. I know you did the wings and he diffused one other time, right? It reminds me of that comic that said, I have the original hatchet that George Washington chopped down the cherry tree with. I had to replace the handle and the head, but it occupies the same space. <laughs> right. I mean, that's almost felt like me and the beast. I had to replace the the wings mm-hmm. a couple of times and the fuselage I think I've done now. But it yeah. does occupy the same space. Yeah. So Those, dude, I definitely wouldn't. And and I don't know if that really you see that his myth is learning to fly in a, a model airplane is hard and and I don't right. think that that's yeah I, I don't I don't think that that's a, a confirmable myth because I think that's you can you can bust that you don't even have to have a plane to learn to fly it to learn to fly it you can fly on a simula- simulator sure and obviously I mean we anything any of these myths you can probably just oh well on a sim it's not expensive on a sim you can't break you know. Let's leave the sim out of this conversation because I feel like the sim, I mean, it's a a game. It's not a game, but it's a computer program. It's there is like besides the initial cost, there is no additional cost after that. So, yes, you can learn totally on it and it's recommended to learn on it. But, um, you know, say, say, you know, for a person who's like, I don't want to sim, maybe, you know, I can't handle the depth perception of a staring at a computer screen compared to in real life um so learn and fly an rc model is it hard i think it is hard really yes it's hard to initially get over the the learning curve of orientation um learn you know learning to overcome the fear of crashing or fear of you know losing control of something yeah Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But once you get over that little hump, it's like a little speed bump. Then it opens up, you know, being much easier um, to progress. Once you get over that little hump of, oh, no, I'm going to crash or, you know, the the airplane's flying back at me and I don't, you know, you don't know which way to turn the controls. I think once you get over that, then it becomes way easier. But initial, you know, you give, you give, you know, 
your friend a plane to fly and you've never flown anything or driven any type of RC. It's like, you know, once you drive an RC car, it helps your orientation. But, yeah. you know, like if you haven't done anything RC related and then you just hand someone a transmitter, they're going to find it to be kind of difficult at first. Okay. So you are confirming that myth. Yes. I'm saying it's plausible. It's plausible. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love that show. Anyways, um, now in helicopters... Learn to fly an RC helicopter. It is that I'll say, yeah, for sure. Sim or no sim? Yeah, I know you said not to talk about it, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely man hard. Yeah, that I think you know going from a plane, like the difficulty of a plane in the scale to one ten, I would say it's probably about like a six or seven initially, and then it drops down to like a two, three or four once you get used to the orientation. Yeah. On a helicopter? I'd, I'd like to add to that by saying, yeah, I think if you had a plane that was somewhat robust where it wasn't going to fall apart on you, could mm-hmm. handle some crashes, you know, maybe an FT plane or something or, you know, s- uh, some version of, like, the Twisted Hobbies planes or something, whatever. Uh, sure. I think you're absolutely right. And I think if you started Saturday morning by Saturday afternoon, you could probably say, okay, I am getting the hang of this. You know, I can I can – kind of fly in a, in somewhat of a pattern mm-hmm. like a circle. I think a couple of weeks I think like a week or two weekends you okay. can get over that that little speed hump of orientation you know if you really apply yourself and try um and not you know not get discouraged and scared off like you gotta right admit. but in helicopters that scale is like I would say it's an eight or a nine I was gonna say ten <laughs> or ten yeah for sure for yeah. me at least it was ten yeah I mean, it's hard to say for myself because I started on the planes. I've I've been with RC cars and nitro cars and trucks since I was a kid. I dabbled in an airplane as a kid. And, and then when I grew up and could afford a helicopter, the orientation wasn't that much of an issue. But the fear was the issue of crashing and losing control. Yeah. I think that was, I think that was more the same for me too, man. I mean, because... I can remember my first flight like it was yesterday and going left, going right, and then turning around. And once I turned around and started coming at me, I tried to stop it. And I right. drove the, I drove it tail in right into the ground. Right, because you gave too much elevator down, right? Yeah, I mean, I just tried to – I was like, oh, crap, I got to stop it. And, you know, I didn't know about flipping the tail back around and get it tail in or anything like that. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Man. That, and it was because I got scared. Yeah. Uh, multi-rotors, depending on – what type of multi-rotor, I could say it's actually really, really easy. You yeah. know, you get yourself a Blade Nano QX there. For the most part, you're not going to break it if you crash. You might just break a prop or lose a prop and, you know, have a spin-off. But um, if, especially if you go FPV, I feel like it's a little bit easier once you get over the hump of FPV because you never have to learn orientation. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what this guy would be talking about. As far as, you know, lightweight aircraft, mm-hmm. that thing, yeah, it's almost, it's very hard to break that. Yeah, I mean, even with the race quads, 250s or 210 or 180 race quads, I mean, for the most part, you're, you are breaking just props. These yep. frames are so robust that you can basically smash it full speed into a wall and you'll just break a prop. Yep. So, all right, let's move to the next one. You want to talk about this one? Myth two, learning to fly an RC model airplane is expensive. With the rapid introduction 
of lightweight foam-ready-to-fly aircraft. You can purchase a plane, controller, and charger for less than $40 at your local toy store. Yeah, that's uh, toy uh, no. store. Yeah, no. And I wouldn't even go there, yeah. So I wrote some examples of just mm-hmm. what I we were talking about before. Um, the Night Vapor ready-to-fly is like 130 The Duet is ready-to-fly is 160 And ready-to-fly is everything. Um, probably you need a charger, but you have the the basic stuff. You have the transmitter, battery, mm-hmm. and, and the plane itself. And then I went on to flight test and looked at their uh, ready-to-fly basic starter kit that they had. And they have a kit where everything you need is 170 And Not bad. I think that's the FT trainer, right? That's the FT trainer. That includes a, a Grappner radio, which is a five-channel radio, which is pretty awesome. Considering the DX6 alone is 130, right? With no receiver, they have a six-channel receiver with that mm-hmm. kit. They have all the the plane itself, a battery, a charger, and the charger isn't the isn't your balanced char. It's a balanced charger, but it's the wall charger that just charges us off off the balance leads. Yeah, like a trickle charger. Yeah, so that's yeah. not the best. But uh, I mean, what do you want for? 170 you know i mean yeah, you're getting 170 not bad you're getting in the air man which is mm-hmm. awesome and you're building the plane it's not a hard plane to build from what you've said right you know you think 170 but for the flight test plane i don't think you know you have to buy a glue gun you have to buy some tape you know so maybe pad it up to like 180 190 i thought this included the glue gun actually oh does it yeah oh first if, if it does and that's yeah that's a great deal because it comes with the motor, prop, like servos, like everything, right? All the electronics to build yeah. the plane. Um, so just the time you need to learn how to build. Yeah. And then, yeah, you'll be ready to go. You got the free build video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got Fred customer support to help you. you got Fred Live was chat. awesome. Customer support. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but. Now, this doesn't come with a, a glue gun, no. Oh, it doesn't. So, yeah. So, say 180, 190. Um, still, it's not a bad price. And once you learn how to build this plane, you know you could do your technique, what we spoke about last week, about you know make a template out of the uh, original plan. Oh plane. right, yeah. And then then you know if you crash one, boom, you have another one right there for two, three dollars a phone more. So that's great. Yeah, dude, that's that's pretty awesome when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Like you can go out there and crash the crap out of that thing, build another plane, be out there the next day. Having a ball. I personally think it is. I mean, it depends on what your range of expensive is, right? What what right. your meaning of expensive? Right, it's all relative. Right, someone not in the hobby on a you know, say like a you know middle class family income, right, is gonna look at a hundred bucks. Yeah, that might be doable, but I think most of the planes that are ready to fly that people want to buy, like the Apprentice, basically the Park Zone, you know. Horizon hobby stuff, you're gonna spend at least two, three hundred dollars. Yeah, I'd say three hundred. You know, so looking at for sure, and and that might not come with a a proper charger. It might come with something you can use, but most likely not. Um, You can definitely go with the smaller planes, like the UMX stuff. You can, I think, you can get like a UMX Cub or you know, with the uh, transmitter and the trickle charger, or like the little battery pack charger, where you just kind of stick the little one cell, a 3.7 volt little battery in. Right, right, yeah. And that's a, probably about a buck fifty to 200 bucks. But yeah, you know, that's still 
a decent amount of money if you're not sure you're going to enjoy the hobby. Yeah. Or you want to you know, invest that type of money. Once you get into it, though, I mean, exponentially, it gets really expensive if you really think about it. You know, we're talking about a couple hundred dollars for a decent computer radio system. Um, you know, maybe another hundred, two hundred dollars for a decent charger. And then you're talking about battery packs. You buy multiple battery packs. You know, smaller batteries, maybe five, ten bucks. But as you go up in size, they start becoming, you know, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty bucks per pack. Yep. You know, and then like when you break something, you know, if you, especially with like the name brand, you know, air quotes, the name brand stuff. When you, you know, okay, my Park Zone Sequoia, when I broke a servo. You know, those servos are like almost $30 each to replace from Horizon Hobby or Park Zone. Yeah. So the repair cost starts to now get up real high. Um, so Yeah, and if you buy one of those and it's like $200, you can, and you do a number on it, you do a pretty good crash on it, and you want to replace the fuselage and, and the mm-hmm. stuff, I mean, you're looking at probably around $100, around half the price to fix it, you know? Yeah, easily. Like, I think most fuselages are... Anywhere from eighty to hundred something, hundred fifty for like yeah. a a thirty inch, a forty inch wingspan type plane, you know. Yep. But getting into it initially isn't really that expensive. Yeah. For planes. For planes. For helicopters, man. So I don't I know. Mean, Do you think there's an in? I guess there is an inexpensive way you could learn to fly a helicopter, but you're not yeah. going to fly a six channel helicopter too inexpensive. Yeah, I mean, I would say the cheapest would be anywhere from two to three hundred too. And now we're talking about like micros, though. We're talking about uh, you know, MCS, MCXP or CP or CPS, whatever the the little blade um, collective pitch helicopter. Um, the two thirty starts to go up in price, you know. And then once you get above like a two fifty size, then you start going into four five hundred dollars for a ready to fly. So see, I was thinking about just the four channel fixed pitch helicopters and those are those are relatively cheap those i mean the mall kiasa yeah but don't do yourself a favor and don't go to the mall to get them because it's going to be double the price what you can find online yeah easy easily uh, easily right. double the price um mm-hmm. man i can remember flying the hell out of uh it was the it was a chinese company like double horse or something mine was the wl toys uh v9 11 that's my first fixed pitch like real fixed pitch real almost hobby grade i would say this was it's definitely like, more kiosk type but mine was like a 9116 it had it had a brushed motor in the tail and a brushed motor for the main mm-hmm. blade i still have parts for that oh um, really that freaking thing though i flew that a lot and i had some good luck with it i mean it was fly barred to a point it had like weights on it you know? Yeah, it was um, like the 45 degree fly barred. Yeah, exactly. And the servos were weird the way it worked. It, it was strange, but I flew it for a, a while. And, uh, dude, I can remember stopping. I had it with me at work one time. And I'm going to tell this story because it's pretty funny. And I'm in this local field. And uh-huh. if you picture like picture like a long straight road and parallel to that about, I don't know, 200 feet over is this long straight road river or big huge lake so i'm in the ball field in the between the lake and the road and i flew it and i flew it around in this little ball field and i'm like okay you know blah blah blah. and i came down kind of hard and i landed 
and I took off again. And when I took off again, it was like, oh, it's not really responding correctly to to what I was like. But don't land or anything. Just keep flying it like an idiot. So I just keep <laughs> flying it, and mm-hmm. the wind came in because it's fixed pitch and and lifted it up. So now it's up, and now orientation. I'm getting lost, and it's just going, and it's going in a straight line, parallel with the road. Mm-hmm. and parallel with the lake just in between and just up over the trees and wow. out of sight like i'm like oh crap it's just gone it just went in a straight line up over these trees and so i land i jump back in the van and i drive down the road past all the all these trees and i get to like a uh a trucking company where they have all these big monster like trucks and, mm-hmm. and haulers and stuff and in the middle of the parking lot, the the dirt parking lot is my helicopter sitting right there. And I'm like, I pull it and I grab it and I I just, you know, I, I then I took it and I went home and I was like, well, that was pretty stupid. And when right. I when I looked at it, what had happened was the servo horns were so cheap that it actually was like a flexible servo horn and it flexed and the the servo pushrod itself went down onto the servo horn. So it was like that servo wasn't functioning. Ah, uh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. like. It had a little Z-bend or a little hook, and it went slid through. Exactly, yeah. Uh, but that was the – it's the DH-9116, and they make, okay. a, they make a, like a 9 – they make like a 9100, which is the three-channel version. Mm-hmm. This was the four-channel, and I bought both of them. The three-channel is a waste. Like unless you're flying it in your house and it's one of those little SEMA, you know, S-107s, um, yeah. mm-hmm. which are fun in the house. Uh but outside, there's no place for a three-channel helicopter outside. No. Because you have to turn it and then have it go forward and then turn it and have it go forward. And the, I don't care who you are. There's no way you're whipping that tail around fast enough to get that thing to pitch forward again. It's just it's a nightmare. Yeah. It kind of – right. Something that's four-channel. I do recommend those kind of – those cheaper – you know, I think they're like – Maybe less than a hundred bucks for a decent one, like maybe like fifty to seventy bucks, say. Yeah, I think I got mine on Amazon, seventy dollars with the radio. Yeah, that's good for like the first month, yeah. two months maybe of you like, okay, I want to get into. Do I really want to invest money? Do I really want to invest the time? Let me try it out. Maybe it's not for me. Um, so yeah, you can you can start out pretty inexpensive, but. Then just like the planes, it ends after that if you get into it. Yeah, and I would love to say that that thing helped me, but with the helicopters, it's like flying a completely different animal once you get to six channel. I mean, I don't know Mm -hmm. if people would agree with me right off the bat or not, but when you have to figure out now now it's no longer fixed pitch. Now the pitch is moving positive and negative. It's a completely different animal set up. Yeah. You know, and to to get with whether you're doing a gyro or not. I was doing gyros back in the day. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, I can't. I, maybe it helped me with orientation a little bit, but I think you know I would have got that from the planes and everything else. Right. Just yeah, I I don't know if that uh, that would I can say that that four channel helped me moving on to six channel. I think right. you actually need a forum, a friend, if you want to move on to the six channel. Yeah, because there's I a think it helps. ton of questions you're gonna you're gonna have. Mm-hmm. As far as like, okay, beginner helicopters that are hobby grade, not Amazon, not, you know. Right. I mean, you know, when you, basically, I, I'm going to basically re- reference uh, Blade helicopters a lot. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. The 230S, it's, I think it's, that's not, that's not collective. I think it's fixed pitch. You can actually do flips and rolls with it because the gyro on there has, is so smart. 
the computer on it is so like smart that it can actually handle that. Um, I mean, I could be mistaken. I'll get some hate mail probably, but uh, you know that that I would say it would be a good beginner helicopter um, to start off with, and then move straight into like you know uh, a one eighty or uh, a four fifty you know blade or three sixty CFX. Actually, three sixty is pretty. It's a it's a monster. That thing was pretty good. It moves quick. It's fast. But um, you know there are choices out there that you can kind of start easing at it. But it's still at, at a at a premium price range, right? Yeah. I think the two thirties at least buying and flies to something. Yeah, it's probably closer to three hundred bucks, right? Yeah, two eighty five or yeah. yeah, something like that. You know, it's a great helicopter, and you can definitely progress and learn, and then you know take a lot of that skills and move it up to a full collective pitch full you know where you can run a constant head speed and just kind of really learn how to fly a you know a helicopter um you know i just think of all the mistakes i made in my garage setting mm -hmm. setting up the 450 and was just like i had all these questions and was like and it wasn't like Oh yeah! If you go out to the field, you're just gonna have you know you're gonna crash the plane. It's like no. While I'm setting it up in the garage, it's like chasing me around the garage, and I'm like, oh <laughs> crap, oh crap, you know. And it's dangerous, you know. That's, yeah, that's the the part I, I was, you know, thinking about when I said you know you you probably should have a buddy or you know a good forum. Yeah, it definitely helps to have um, someone to talk to and bounce questions off of it and kind of help you understand the mechanics of flight. Like it's not something, you know, unless you're, that's what you went to school for or like you've been studying on it. It's not something that kind of comes natural. I think it's just, you know, driving a car around, you basically have forward reverse and then you have your turning your left and right. Right. When you talk about, you know, airplane, you have altitude, you got to think about, you got wind, you got all these variables that, you know, you think, oh, well, okay, let me put up this helicopter. I, I can do this in my house. But then as soon as you go outside, it's a totally different story. Because then you got wind blowing at you. You know, you got a lot more room. So you think, you know, oh, more room is better. But then that thing, that little helicopter gets really far away from you. <laughs> yeah. You can't see it. You know, so um, it helps to have a trainer or someone to help you. And I think we'll go over that in a Yeah, in I think next, that's the next myth, actually. Yeah. Or the, oh, that's, that's myth number one. five. Okay. But yeah, multi rotors, those you can go cheap. You get a Protos, Mac, like the little Protos, you know, little tiny thing for like 30, 40 bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. To fly a multi rotor with that line of sight, no problem. Yeah. You know? Um, and then you can bump yourself up to the Nano QX, which is a great one. And, and then you can start building your own custom quads. Yeah, um, what's the, the Nano QX uh, ready to fly is like 80. I think the bind and fly is what? What the hell I is think, that now? Under a hundred dollars now? You mean the bind and fly is is like eighty? The bind and fly think, is eighty, but did we see that like Ram show for like a hundred bucks? Yeah, I think it's ninety nine bucks. That's insane. You know, and this this isn't a FPV version; this is the regular quad version, which is fine. No, you know, yeah, because you don't have to make the investment. I think the ready to fly You'll FPV version is like four hundred. Yeah, because it comes you, with the goggles. Right, right. Yep. But yeah, I mean, just to learn, see if you're interested, that is very inexpensive. And actually, starting off with a, a quad, I think helps a lot in both aspects of flying a helicopter and flying a plane. 
Because yeah. it flies like a plane, but you could hover it like a helicopter. So you could work on your hovering, your stationary hovers, your orientation hovers, um, all upright, of course. But um, yeah, it helps you easily with that stuff. Yeah, and once you get the kit with the with the goggles and all that, can't you use those goggles on another transmitter? Mm-hmm. It's not yeah, just you set to that one transmitter, right? No, it's just it's a fast shark goggles. You can you know it's not. It's not a great fast shark goggles. I think it's like the teleporters, which is more of the low end. But I mean, it's something. But still, that it's not. By. It's not a, a complete waste. It's just, you know, you can mm-hmm. use it on something else. Yeah, definitely. If you wanted to go right into a race quad after the, flying the Nano QS FPV, you don't have to initially buy goggles. You know, spend three, four hundred dollars for dominators. You can use those goggles. You just, you know, it'll work with the fast shark. Uh, regular uh you know band of frequencies so the 5.8 frequency so yeah you can definitely use you don't you don't have to put it away or sell it if you want to move to a different aircraft you can definitely use it cool so myth number three you need a lot of training to learn to fly so guy wrote the new ready to fly models are very well designed due to well development manufacturing processes that are hard to duplicate in a home workshop eh <laughs> yeah, I read that. I, I thought immediately of flight test. Yeah. He continues to write, this inexpensive model airplanes fly exceptionally well. You will learn how to fly with these mannered flyers in a matter of days. So not uh, so hard to duplicate in a workshop. Well, you're not going to duplicate the look of it so much, but building an FT plane, you're going to definitely develop... Um, you're going to be able to duplicate the, the flight characteristics. Yeah, you're not going to be pumping out a foam, detailed foam aircraft. Right. You're not wire cutting wings, you know, to get a right. nice, like, solid core uh, wing or anything like that. But you will be able to have the same flight characteristics as, say, a ready to fly, like, plane. And probably even better because, I don't know, I feel yeah. like. I was going to. I was going to say, dude, the Bloody Wonder was a great example of an airplane that was easy to build. It was cheap to build. Mm-hmm. And, dude, that thing flew so great. I used to say, this thing makes me look good. Right. Like, like it flew so good. Mm-hmm. I used to get compliments out on a, a lot, man, down down the street here. You know, the guys would show up and they'd be saying, uh, hey, you know, I used to fly these things or try to fly them. And in the wind, and once a little bit of wind came out, it was I was done. Yeah. You know, I'm out there and, like. 10, 15 mile an hour winds easy, just like having a ball and yeah, just cutting right through. Yeah, yeah I'm just like flight test, dude. Flight test. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think that is a myth for planes that you don't need a lot of training to learn to do your basic pattern flying. You know, yeah, it, it does take a little bit of learning to get your your landing and takeoffs. Uh, more more landing than takeoffs. Um, but yeah. yeah, I don't think initially, you know. Once you get in the air and you start and you know your orientation, that it's you can fly circuits easily. And I always say, if you if it's coming at you, like going away from you is easy. But when it's coming at you and that wing's starting to dip, you just have to. I always say, prop the table up, move that stick to the direction of the wing is falling. I mean, and guys have actually. I told that to one guy, and he basically slapped me in the arm. He was like, "I can't believe that. That's the easiest thing to, th- to remember." And and he goes. It was like now I now I'll never forget that and it'll be so easy to fly. I never saw the guy again. I don't know, maybe hit himself with a plane and <laughs> got rid of it. But uh, that was one of the, I think his name was Jerry. Came out to the field one like last year. Hmm. 
Is he the guy from like Jersey or Newark somewhere? Like he was like Jersey City or something, and he came up and then crashed his plane into the tree, and then you recovered it like months later. Or is that some totally different guy? Oh, maybe I don't know. Yeah, at planes, once you get over like that initial hump, it's not hard. You know, you don't need a lot of training. Um, you know, then it becomes harder as you try to do inverted and do different tricks and different types of you know maneuvers. But initial just upright flying, you know, it's it's not hard to learn how to do that. But right as you're working on other things, you're still you're still hammering out what you know, and it's kind of like you know to keep the plane moving forward you have to you have to fly it so you're actually you know improving on the stuff that you already know mm-hmm. as you're trying new stuff so yeah training to learn to fly a helicopter you do need a lot of training for that yeah you need to devote a lot of time with your hovering and orientation to um be able to progress past just hovering and you know maybe some forward flight yeah yeah, I would say, you know, like we were saying, uh, within a nice Saturday or a couple of days, you can actually get a plane down to where you can fly it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and bring it in. But the first couple of days as you're flying a helicopter, all you're going to be doing is staring at the tail blade like it's just going to be tail and hovering yeah. for a while. If not, you're going to crash and that's going to end your day because most helis, especially the hobby grades ones, do not you – know, as, as a new beginner – you don't really know how to crash yet. You don't, you know, you might not hit throttle hold quick enough. You know, you might come down, (laughs) you might come down and like, you know, usually when, when you're crashing, you can try to like minimize the crash by trying to get that, you know, the rotor disc level. So you're not crashing, you know, in a knife edge and, you know, where you're just smacking the blades and the tail and everything just smacking on the ground. Um, so you kind of learn to like, okay, let me try to at least, if you're going now, at least try to level it off before it hits the ground. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah. Um, you know, I think you said it best. It was like, yeah, you know, my first, what was it, like your first year flying the 450 T-Rex clone that you had was like basically 30 seconds of flying and like three hours worth of repairs. <laughs> A week of yeah fixing. Yeah. Yeah. And 30 you know. more seconds of flying. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, as a beginner, you're going to experience that a lot, you know, and it does take a lot of time to get used to it. Uh, obviously we recommend simming when it comes to helicopters. I can't believe I didn't get like totally discouraged though. Cause I had zero luck with that 450 and I kept every, every couple of months I'd break it out and I'd fix it and I'd try again. And, oh man. Well, so I think you like to wrench too, right? Like, you know, yeah. You like you like to you know fix things and build things. So I think that portion has kind of helped you power through it. Uh, let's see. For multi rotors, you do need some training. I think um, not training, but uh, safe flight time to get used to, especially if you're flying line of sight to get used to flying circuits and stuff. Um, FPV wise, it's. It gets you know kind of hard to do coordinated turns, and you need definitely need to do coordinated turns with uh, quads. So that portion, it's like it's a little bit harder than a plane because planes, you know, I would say eighty percent of planes you could bank and yank them. You yeah. know, bank bank the plane, tilt the plane over, and then just pull in the elevator and, and turn that way. When it comes to quads, especially quads that don't have uh, the auto stabilization or level flight, self leveling. 
you're going to have to tilt the you know, quad and then t- start turning the rudder the same way to get a coordinated turn. And you have to t- have good throttle management to keep it at the same level and not dropping and all the stuff. So um, it's a little bit more training you need than plane, but it's still a lot less than a helicopter. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, I don't remember any of my first quad experiences other than, okay, hovering it here and, you know, pirouetting and flying it around my small living room. Right. So, I mean, if I, I, if you don't really remember it, it, it couldn't have been that bad or sure. that good. So it was kind of probably mediocre, you know. <laughs> right. Just flying it in and out of stuff. And, and I think, you know, because we never specialized in one thing specifically – we we tried a whole bunch of things and collectively each thing that we like you know as you get better at flying airplanes you get better at flying multi rotors you get better at flying helicopters you know same thing yeah. with you know you get better at flying multi rotors you get it's easier to fly an airplane helicopters start making a little bit more sense to you and then when you get into helicopters if you're into helicopters flying a plane is like it's not hard at all it's just a little bit different but it's you know, it becomes easy. Like when you're just doing upright flying, it becomes real easy. Yeah, Anthony and Ricky were doing pretty good with their their first time flying planes. Yeah, I mean, when Anthony, you know, I was buddy boxing him. Like he was, you know, he had no problems at no moment where I was like, "Oh crap!" Yeah, and uh, Ricky was flying his SBOC last week. The last yeah, time I was out at the field. Yeah, he's doing good. Doing a good job, actually Except- bringing it in, landing it, everything. Mm-hmm. Except he had a little too much or too little expo on that tail, man. That would pitch up and down real quick. Oh. So myth four, learning to fly takes a lot of time. Using ready-to-fly model airplanes combined with the use of computer-based flight simulator, which we're not talking about, any pilot (laughs) can conduct a safe flight in a fraction of the time compared to learning to fly a larger kit-built model RC aircraft. So I guess he means... uh, Use the ready to fly stuff. He's basically saying that's that's foam stuff and mm-hmm. the kit built is your balsa. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think it takes a lot of time. I especially planes like we've been saying. I think yeah, you know, a couple of weekends. I think if you if you put a lot of time into uh, something like a balsa kit, or if you think that that model's kind of expensive, you know, I think that's gonna be in the back of your mind too and and it's going to take more time because you're going to be afraid to fly it sure yeah no definitely um you know the more effort you put into building something normally you know correlates to like the less you want to fly it because you don't want to crash it so right you know so yeah but i don't think it takes Mm -hmm. but i don't think it takes a lot of time to learn to fly yeah, I don't think so either. I feel like I feel like this question kind of or this myth kind of goes with the uh the last one where you need a lot of training to learn to fly. Yeah. I don't think it you know, I think that's definitely a, a myth. I don't think uh it takes a lot of time to learn to fly. And I think it's based on the individual too, like Sure. Like How if quickly? you if you have any background in RC cars, if you grew up flying, you know, or, or driving RC cars around and Mhm. Yeah, it's definitely going to be easier for you to pick up an airplane. Yeah. Because of the orientation. You know, you've already experienced that with the RC cars. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it, yeah, I don't think it takes a lot of time. I think once you, like, especially for planes, 
kind of like I said, same thing with the last one. You know, you, you do need to put a little bit of time in, but once you get over that, you're good. Um, helicopters. <laughs> hmm. It's like two ends of the spectrum here. Like airplanes. It really like, is. Eh, not a lot. Helicopters, yeah. It is, I would say. But this, I think, depends on the individual, too, because look at Anthony, man, like a year, and the guy's like flying pretty damn good, pretty awesome. Uh, you yeah. Know, impressing, impressing all of us. And me, after a year, I was like, I still don't know freaking how to get the damn fly bar thing to go in right. And, you know, I was just like off and on so much that. And I had no help, you know. I mean, I think it just all depends on your situation. Like, do you have friends that, that are flying helicopters? You know, is your club, you know, cool with it? You know, are you even in a club or whatever? But talk about Anthony. He put a lot of time into it in that first year. He would fly, like, every day four to six packs. Yeah. So he put a lot of time into it to to get to where he is now within a year. You yeah, know, that's true. So. I guess yeah, he did put put quite some time in. I mean, four to six packs is that too is only like you know three minutes a pack. So, but uh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, if you're out there yeah. every day, mm-hmm. yeah. The more often you fly, I think, the quicker you kind of your confidence right rises quicker. Um, the moves that you initially first like learn to do become more refined and and more polished. So. Um, it, it does take some time with helis to really get good at it. I mean, I'm still sloppy as hell, you know, when I fly. I'm pretty bad too. Yeah. There's moments where you scare me, but I'm <laughs> sure, I'm sure there's moments when I fly and I scare you too. So, well, yeah, there's moments when I scare myself. <laughs> yeah. There's moments where I scare myself too. I'm over feel- my head. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I got to tell you about one time I was by myself at, um, this is the first club I joined. I only, I only flew there like three times. Wayne Modelers. Yeah, yeah. And I was by myself on a weekend. Uh, no one was there. By the swamp? So I was like at the swamp, yep. And I had my Blade 550X. And okay. I'm flying, doing my kind of, you know, flying back and forth. Like basically what I used to do at Green Pond, right? I would fly back and forth, do um, a stall turn, come back, fly, do another stall turn. Right. This is when I first started learning to do uh, inverted. You know, I was able to flip it forward, backwards, left, right. You know, sloppy, but I was able to do it. But, you know, to hold an inverted was my first, you know, I was trying it. And um, basically, it started drifting. And when I gave it more negative, the tail started moving on me a little. Like, started drifting. The tail started drifting. And at one point, I gave the wrong correction because it's inverted. So everything's opposite. And it went over my head. It went like behind me over the paddock or like the, you know, um, the staging area, I guess, or the, the where the benches are and all that stuff. I was freaking out. I was like, you know, I had my finger on throttle hold ready to dump it. And I just kind of like negative punched it out and I flipped it over, I regained control, and I brought it right to a hover in front of me. Like, you know, like whatever, 40 feet up in the air, but in front of me. And I was like, okay, I need to land. I didn't even fly it after that. I flew to 450. I didn't fly to 550. And I was just thinking like, oh, my God, this could have ended so badly. I was totally there by myself, too, which is could have been good and bad. If I were to crash oh. behind a flight line, at least I'm by myself. You, know? you mean it came but, close to you? No, 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 it didn't come close to me. It was oh. way above. Like It was uh, you know, 100 feet up in the air behind me and all over the place. But, yeah, I, at no point did I felt that I was in danger. But 
you know, I just like that's a cardinal rule. Like you get your AMA taken away if you lose that lose control that badly, you know. Oh, and really? I was, yeah, you can't. Okay. You, you gotta fly. You, you gotta follow the AMA rules, which is like you know you gotta fly within your means, be safe about it, you know, like all that stuff. So. I was just, I was freaking out though. I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> maybe I'm not ready for this big heli yet or to fly inverted. I think I, I grounded my inverted training for a little while. Oh, I was going to say the next weekend you showed up at Green Pond and you were doing inverted punch outs. <laughs> the punch outs I can do, but like hovering inverted, you know, when you're making yeah. corrections inverted, that's the hard part. Yeah. You know, when you're doing a punch out, as long as you come into it right, it's just going to go out. You know what was that's difficult for me was the. Not so much the correcting inverted mm-hmm. uh, was the the throttle management like that was that took a little bit for me to get because you're so used to uh, it's just completely opposite you're so used to going up bringing the throttle yeah going up to save yourself and and when you're inverted you have to go down it's it's right. weird yeah it's some getting used to for sure yeah um you know it's but just small movements help me out too you know yeah. Like small corrections. Mm-hmm. So learn to fly quads, I would say it's pretty easy. Same with an airplane. Yeah. I don't think it takes a lot of time. No. Um, to get used to it. I think you can bang that Nano QX off your living room walls a few times and you'll have it down. Mm-hmm. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Um, if you do FPV, it's even simpler because you don't know. Like I said before, you don't need to learn orientation. So yeah. you know, that becomes real easy. So let's move on here. Okay. Myth five. You must have an instructor to learn to fly an RC model aircraft. And this guy wrote, uh, lightweight, ready to fly foam model airplanes are practically immune to damage from slow speed crashes. (laughs) I'm laughing. (laughs) I'm laughing. (laughs) Uh, Combined with a few practice sorties on a flight computer or flight simulator, the slow speed and gentle flight characteristics of these small planes Leads to rapid gain of pilot skills. Hmm. No. Yeah, I don't All agree right. with that, man. Let's take a look at the first. Let's break this down. Practically immune to damage from slow speed crashes. I think any crash will cause damage on most planes. Yeah. Whether the severity of it is, of course, questionable, depending on the size, the mass of it, you know, but it. I mean, like, you have something like the Duet, which is like a 12-inch wingspan, you know, a little two-motor, a little, like, one-inch props on it. It's, yeah, you could tumble that around. It's not too bad. But I had to fix Chloe's, I don't know, maybe about mm, every other time she flew it, I would, like, the tail would kind of break a little. And, I, you know, when she crashed it, and I would have to glue it back together. So, no, it's none yeah, of, I, no I, airplane is indestructible. That's what I was going to say. I can't think of any plane other than a paper airplane that's, immune to damage from a slow speed crash <laughs> and even a paper airplane you throw it against the wall you're crumping that nose yeah the nose is going in yeah. right so uh yeah i think this is total uh and i know. think you do have to have instru- an instructor to learn to fly a model aircraft and when i say instructor i don't mean a physical guy standing there i think mm-hmm. that your instruction your instructor could be the ama here's a bunch of guidelines just try and not fly yeah. over anybody or right. it's your own common sense as your instructor saying, hey, idiot, don't fly over that crowd of people. Right. Or don't fly over those children playing ball, you know, yeah, stuff like tell that. Tell that to all the drone pilots. I'm telling it. <laughs> you, um, Mr. 
DB that went out to Hawaii and flew over that lava pit. Yeah. Don't fly in a national park, idiot. When there's a big sign that says, do not fly in a national park. Yeah. Don't fly in a park. Uh, and it's like. <sighs> it's, it's, it's amazing that you have to tell people, don't take your multi-rotor to the 20th floor of a building in Manhattan and fly out the window. Yeah. Or over the White House. Or, or over the White House. You know. <laughs> or around a Statue of Liberty. Yep, but, yep. So I think your instructor could actually be, you know, the guy, the AMA, sure. your own con- your common sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and then, you know, to go dig deeper into that, I mean, YouTube, watching other people do little flight videos. Like, that's how I learned to do a lot of my helicopter. Yes. Um, not, yep. not, not learn how to fly, per se, but try to understand what it is to fly a helicopter, right? Like yeah. throttle management, collective management, you know, how much, like how you, you know, as a new beginner, you're like always hitting the ends of the sticks. You can't do that with a helicopter. No. You have to be so gentle with your touches on your gimbals. And, and you know, you see that when you watch these like Freddie Can Fly videos, right? That's I watched all his videos. You're trying to learn all the, the moves, you know, Mobius, Flips. Hero flips, all that stuff, like just for flight, or well, he has this thing where you learn um, collective free uh, for flight, where you basically get the helicopter f- hovering, and then you just you nudge the stick so little, you do a, sh- a small, like a very um, slow level flight where you're doing circuits, flying back and forth in circuits without touching the collective at all. Um, yeah, it's hard. But oh, like once you get like that down, that. you get a lot of lot, you get a little understanding of like how much you're actually moving the sticks. It's very little. YouTube, the forums, right? You can you know people have instructional videos. Go to Heli Freak. There's a whole like tail end hovers to um, forward and inverted all flight like funnels. You know uh, hurricanes in like six weeks. Oh you know, wow! Like that a training program where like okay you do this, you know you you you. Do your hovers, then you learn to hover all orientations. Then you learn to um, do pure hovering, and then you do the same thing inverted, and then and just learn it, learn it to become second nature. And then you can do your forward flight, your backwards flight, your inverted flights, and 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 you know, and then it'll, it'll teach you more collective. Like in like, or just, I don't know if it's six months or six weeks. It's something six. I think it was six weeks. But um, wow, yeah, and a lot of people have taken it and said, "Oh my God, I've learned so much." I've, you know, did it all in the sim, and then when I got my first helicopter, killing it out in the field. Like, yeah, I'd say Heli Freak is a great place to go to, mm-hmm. even if you're not, even if not, you're, you're, I don't know, because I, I would equate it like half of flying a helicopter is is building it too. You know, it's like yeah, it's fifty percent understanding of, the mechanics, right? Right. So I mean, Heli Freak was great for me with some of the four fifty stuff, uh, mm-hmm. just just to just to how things are supposed to be connected because I, I didn't have anybody to talk to. I mean, I was just like on my own, right? The puppet told me what to buy and I bought it and put it together. And yeah, Heli Freak went into some seriously great detail. Yeah. And, and you know, like YouTube, will, it's like a one-way street, right? Yeah, you can add comments and sometimes you might get a reply. But usually it's a one-way street where like they tell you this. The puppet tells you to buy this. But then if you have any questions, you can't. The puppet's not going to respond. Yeah. So you need to go to uh, you know, a, a place like a forums or Facebook or you know, places, social media or networking type of places where you can get a, a response pretty quickly and directly to you about the questions that you ask. Going, joining a club, I mean, that 
I wish I joined when I first started because I feel like I would have advanced so much quicker. Yeah, that was huge, man. Especially this club where we're like I joined another club where they couldn't fly helicopters. Mm-hmm. This this club's been the best, man. Like yeah, and everything. I've I learned mean, so much; it's ridiculous. Yeah, think about the last six to seven months that we've been a member of this club. Uh, yeah, about that, right? Yeah, about seven or eight months, maybe. Yeah. And how much you and I have progressed in helicopter flying? Yeah. Obviously, simming has helped, and and us kind of pushing each other has definitely helped too. But I mean, yeah, I don't think I would have like been as good as I am now if we were still flying at Green Pond. No. And another thing is also good is not even having an instructor, but watching someone else fly. Yes. Yep. You know, so oh, that I said actually, that the first, well, I said that the first freaking couple of probably the first month we were there at the club, and we we had John Dale and the other guy, that other guy John who moved. John, no, John Dale's the one that moved, and then John oh. Reyes. Yeah. Oh, John, John Reyes. John. Okay. Right. Yeah. 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 When, I, when I saw John Dale fly, I, I was like, this is the worst thing we could have done was the, the, <laughs> this club. Because Steve's going to be out there right after this guy trying all this crazy stuff he's trying to I do. I mean, even Rick, even Ricky Cricky, I, you know, I've learned a lot of stuff off of his flying and, and what he does initially. Like, you know, like yeah. the loops he does and the, the, the power loops. Yeah, shit, I wasn't <laughs> even doing loops, dude. Yeah. I wasn't even doing loops back in December. I was. I was still working on loops. Now it's like second nature. Yeah, now you're doing loops. You're doing. I'm trying inverted loops. Yeah, and you're combining loops. You know, like yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I think um, you don't need to have an instructor, like a formal instructor, but it it does help. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be a negative to have someone guide you through, um, you know, the beginning into more intermediate or. Get at least get you through the beginning aspect of learning to fly and and how things are and and you know they'll have things that you might not even think about like tips and tricks and stuff that is your ailerons going the right way you know yeah. like, yep. you know like those things that they can help you you know your safety checks you know well that's why flight test has been so great with the air the model airplanes man yeah airplanes. I think as far as airplanes flight test was my instructor in the beginning yeah everything I learned about flying an airplane. Or not maybe not everything, but everything I, that helped me progress quickly in flying airplanes has contributed to flight tests. I mean, last time we went to Neff, just this last last time we were there, <laughs> I was doing I was flying the the Beaver around and I was flying inverted and I was doing a little three D where I shouldn't be doing three D. <laughs> yeah, and I I and Josh was standing there and I said, "Dude, this is all thanks to you guys. I'm flying like this because of you guys, man." And he was like. Oh man, that means so much to me. And I was like, it's truth because mm-hmm. I didn't really have any instructor. And you know, Alex, I would see out there. What the first year, definitely, I saw him, and I was crashing the beast, the little, little biplane. But then I can remember the second year, actually, maybe doing a little inverted and having some fun. And I let him fly it. I think a few times because he he had had the original beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was like, and I said the same thing to him. I was like. And he even made a comment on on how much better you know I was doing, and it's cool, yeah. man. I was like, yeah, because thanks to you guys, man, and all the videos you guys put out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are the masters of getting someone, getting someone from a, a never flown a plane before, getting through that whole beginning stage. They right. are the ultimate, you know, senseis, the ultimate master teachers on that. Yeah, if that's what your your goal is, you know, if you're mm-hmm. if you're looking to do it, man, definitely go that route for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we might be biased with our opinion because this is our experience, but, you know, I we we owe this, the growth that we had initially all to flight test, at least for me. I, I can make that statement and say it's all thanks to Josh and, yeah. you know, just, just the whole the whole flight test family. The fun um, I've had in this hobby, a lot of it, mm-hmm. most of it is attributed to... Yeah, um, to those guys. I mean, you, me, and Jeff would have never met up, right? Yeah, we met up um, on the on the forums, right? And, and the funny thing is, it's like you know, I remember as a kid getting trying to get into RC planes, and the disaster I had that like after three planes building, crashing, throwing away, building, crashing, throwing away, you know, <laughs> I was just like, this isn't for me. I can't do this, you know? That's funny. I was never into the... I really liked airplanes, but I was never into the RC side of airplanes. I always oh, thought I, I'd be into RC helicopters before mm-hmm. I'd be into airplanes, and it was, like, the total opposite. Oh. My first helicopter was that one I... When I was, like, 10 years old, I remember talking about... Yeah. Trying to get it started in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was a joke. I never got that thing off the ground. I have I always wanted to get into helicopters when I was a kid, but... Yeah. When going flipping through the you know Tower Hobbies catalog when I was a kid, planes was just so much cheaper. And this is after I've been doing RC cars for years, you know. But planes just you know for flight planes were just cheaper. And yeah, I thought it was I always easier. saw I always saw helicopters for thousands of dollars. Yeah, and, thousands of dollars, and they always crash. I never like, saw a helicopter that was like less than a thousand dollars, and I was like, all right, well, I guess yeah. I'm never going to do that. And there were, and you know, we really didn't have electric as an option back then. It was all nitro, yeah. and I was familiar with nitro uh, cars. Obviously, I had a whole bunch of nitro cars. And wasn't some guy telling us at the field that back in the day, just if you got that thing off the ground and and you were hovering for like, you know, the tank yeah. of nitro, that was a big achievement. Yeah, yeah, because that's how they were. They were so like almost experimental. Like they just they didn't want to fly. So no. get it. To fly was like such an achievement. You were so, yeah. beating that thing into flight. Yeah. If you're getting into this hobby, or you're into this hobby, and you you know you need to help, you maybe you've plateaued and you want to progress more, or you're getting a hard time getting over the initial hump of the you know novice phase. I would say, join a club, get an instructor, talk to people about it in person definitely helps more because you know they can point out things on your helicopter or your plane that like will help you understand things better um to picture it than to just like someone typing on the internet you know yeah um and then just just keep doing it don't get discouraged just keep flying fix fly repeat you know fix fly crash repeat (laughs) all right (laughs) so myth number six you need building skills to fly with the, so what is this guy right here? With the explosion in availability to ready to fly, this guy talks about ready to fly and foam airplanes a lot. Lightweight foam model airplanes, there is simply no need to even look inside one of these aircrafts. Just open a box, charge the, <laughs> the radio. I guess charge the battery pack, turn on the radio and go fly. He yeah. said charge the radio and go fly. That doesn't make any Just sense. Open the box and let it charge fly. Charge go fly. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yes. There are a whole slew of ready-to-fly or buy-to-fly um, models. 
that you do not need to know how to build one bit. Um, the smaller ones are, are ready to fly, already pre-built. As you get into the bigger ready to flies, they, they do need you to like glue the wings together or like rubber band them and, you know, maybe do a little bit of setup. But yeah, you don't need any building skills. Um, you, same thing with helicopters. You don't, even. but you really should know mm -hmm. as much as you can, as much information as you can about the, the plane you're flying, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you don't need to know, right? Like, you don't you need know. to know. I mean, you don't need to know Should. how to put a. You don't need like, to how to put know how to put a motorcycle together to to ride a Harley, but when it breaks and you have to fix it, <laughs> and you're yeah. on the side of the road. But but think about it in the car aspect, right? Like you can go buy a brand new car off the lot. You don't ever need to know how to do anything on a car. But you should know if you want to be smart about it, save money. True, you yeah, know. definitely save money. Right. So, um, so in the aspect, taking that into RC, yeah, you can buy everything ready to fly these days. So you don't need to know how it got together, how to fix it, how it works, the electrical aspect of it or the mechanical aspect. You don't need to know any of that to learn to fly. But, and this is a big but, <laughs> you, you should learn. Yeah, because um, you would want to know like what the rudder does. What does the elevator do yeah mechanically you want to know how different you know control surfaces work you want to know like between like cg on an airplane super important right you need to know what cg is and a lot of people are like cg what's that you know a new person so center of gravity right you need to know how to make sure that the plane helicopter multi-rotor everything anything that flies is but I as think, balanced as possible. I think uh, everybody that's into this, whether it's planes, helicopters, multi-rotors, every, every one of us, we're a tinkerer. Like, we're, we're always tinkering with something, you know? We're, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't mm -hmm. think that – I don't know too many guys that would simply no need to even look inside one of these aircraft. Like, wouldn't you want to know what a servo does and a pushrod does, but, like, I, by yeah. minimum? Like, just so you can – if something does go wrong, you can, you can be like, oh, well – like take my helicopter story where the pushrod, you know, horn, the the pushrod went down, slid down on a flexible control horn. Like if if I just wanted to open it and go fly, I would have would I throw that in the trash because that happened, you know? I did when I was younger. I crashed the plane. I just threw it away because I didn't know about fixing. Even though I built the damn thing, you know, I just didn't True. think of it. Yeah. it didn't it didn't really come to me. I had no guidance at that age. So, but I think. You know, we have to look at it in all aspects of age, you know, that, you know, as a kid, you might not really know about it. You might just think it's cool and you want to get into it and, and it looks cool. You see, you know, videos or maybe you fly by a, a local field and you see, oh, these guys fly and you're like, oh, that's really cool. I want to get into that. But you don't need to know much about it. I, I'm, I'm sure there's young members of our club that don't care so much about the how but right. wanna but i think you know, i think 99 percent of the people in the hobby though are like the kids probably know more than we know you yeah know what i mean that's just like i don't think you need building skills to fly no but i think it's definitely part of it i think you would i think, I think you would want to if you if yeah you, if you think you're gonna stay in the hobby at all right unless you're super rich and 
you know, you don't need to even work on your own helicopter planes. Someone else, you can just have the hobby shop do it for you all the time. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I think initially you don't need to have any building skills. But over the time of your career in the hobby, as if you're sticking with it, you will gain those knowledges. You will learn it. You will need to learn this stuff because it'll save you money. It'll save you headaches. It'll save you time as far as like, why isn't this flying well? Right. What's wrong with it? You know, the troubleshooting aspect, the diagnostics aspect, knowing how a model works is going to make it everything else easier for you as, as you grow, grow into the hobby. So Yeah, because you're your own ground crew, really. <laughs> you have yeah, to figure it all out. You're your own mechanic, you know, ground crew, flight checks, all that, pilot, all that stuff. Yep. You know, so. So let's just talk about building skills real quick in the different aspects. Airplanes, you can get away with not knowing how to build much, maybe just glue a couple pieces together. You know, um, if you go into flight tests, which I, we all recommend, you know, you'll learn different airfoils, think different things like, you know, dihedral, polyhedral, you'll learn all that stuff, how different wing characteristics are. You'll probably learn the different feeling of a high wing, mid wing, or low wing airplane, um, what warbirds are like and stuff. So so that's going to be great. Um, you'll, you'll learn those building skills, and eventually, if you want, you can get into balsa kits. But um, I, I don't know. I guess depending on the money and, and your dedication, most probably won't get into balsa kits. They'll get into arse, which are made out of balsa, but they're just like foam kits, I guess, where you just kind of glue a couple pieces together, and that's really the extent of your building. Right. Yep. Um, helicopters, you'll start off most likely with a ready-to-fly or buy-and-fly, no building involved, but then you're going to have the hardest time understanding how to fix it. Yeah. Um, full collective pitch helicopters, and the, the mechanical setup is super important. And electrical setup is super important. I guess this myth should be called you need building skills to fly your first time. Yeah. Because <laughs> especially with a helicopter, like you don't need yeah. any skills, any building skills whatsoever to fly the very first flight of your helicopter. But every flight but after your that, second flight? Yeah, <laughs> you're probably going to need building skills. Right. <laughs> so uh, building repairing skills, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, helicopters, super important, you know, and and. One of the things about helicopters is super dangerous. It really is. It's you know these things are really dangerous. They're not toys, even though they're considered toys. Right. That's why I was I brought up earlier about it chasing me around the garage, like right that part of it. Yeah. So yes, you know you don't need to initially know how to build, but you're gonna have to learn how to build um, and set up helis. Uh, multi rotors. Now multi rotors is a funny thing because it's totally opposite of planes. And helicopters, especially helicopters, because it's all electronics. Yeah. It's very little mechanical. It's like 5% mechanical setup, like bolting the frame together and bolting motors on there and the flight controller. After that, it's all electrical. It's all setup. It's all wiring, soldering. So it's all electrical after that. Yeah, so that isn't a really not too much building skills, more or less a troubleshooting and software skills, right? Software, but like I mean, you know, soldering. Soldering, yes. Oh, that's yeah. building. You know, you're 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 melting metal to connect wires. 
ESCs to motors, motors, I mean, ESCs to them, flight controllers, wiring up all that stuff. That's, I would consider that a building skill, like wiring up the flight controller. If you're wiring up an OSD with video and camera, you yeah. know. And the, yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. You know, so there, there's some building definitely involved in that. You know, so, yeah, first flight, ready to fly, bind and fly, no building need, no building skills needed, but you will have to develop them in the long run. All right, go with myth number seven here. RC aircraft are complicated. Larger aircraft can indeed be complex, but the smaller foam ready, but the smaller foam ready to fly two or three channel model airplanes are very thoughtfully designed. Simplicity is intrinsic to their ease of oper- operation. I kind of yeah. can agree with that. I, I agree with that. Um, definitely large aircrafts are complex because there's a lot of channels. There's a lot of, you know, the servos placements and the, the length of them and all that stuff. Like, it's it gets a little bit crazy. And then you talk about, like, large airplanes might have lights to it, so then you got extra wiring inside. And, and, you know, it does get a little complicated. My original thought to this myth was the UMX Radian. I mean, that's about as simple as you can get. Uh-huh. You know, you can put that thing up and it's what is it? It's rudder and, and elevator. There's no ailerons on that. Yep. Three channel. Yep. Three just channel like a duet, right? Yeah. Just cruise duet. around. You want to kill the yeah. throttle, you can kill it and it slows right down the glider. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. So definitely aircraft um unless there's a guy with a four eighty on his bushwhacker in the area. <laughs> <laughs> um no, but like, okay, so those those smaller three channels, three channels alone. Let's just talk about three channels. Yeah, because I don't know anything that's two channel anymore. No, no, the duet's not two channel, right? No, that's three. You have throttle, yeah, rudder, throttle. and you have differential for. Uh, yeah, I mean differential for rudder, and then you have the elevator. So that's still three. Um, so yeah, they're not complex when you talk about three channel. When you talk about four channels, do they do get a little more complex? Um, you know, you're adding an extra level of control on the plane. So now you're talking about one to two more servos in the wing. Um, you're also talking about having like, you know, some planes will have flaps, you know, or they'll have like the Arcanai, right? It has spoilerons or yeah. laparons, you know, like, so they start to get a little bit more complex with the four channel. Um, airplane wise, I mean, four channel is pretty much it. You know, there's no real, like, I don't know, do you know any of, like, five or six channel planes that are actually five or six channels? And I'm not talking about retracts or, I guess, flaps would be the f- fifth channel. Yeah, flaps and retracts, for sure. But, like, it's not like you need flaps or retracts to fly. Yeah, I think to get to get to the, to the basically, the the middle road of, of aircraft flight, yeah, it's four channels. Like, yeah. three three channels is good for your training, and if you're... You know, like my first couple of years flying, that was my go-to was like a three-channel. I'd pull that out first, and that would be what I would get the cobwebs out with. But it's not a traditional three-channel, the ones you learned, or were flying. That was a bank and yank three-channel, so you had ailerons. Yeah, right? I, I had elevons. I feel like it gets different when you do like the UMX Radian, uh, the Duet, where you're, you're three channels, but you have rudders on your right stick. And I think... I don't like that because I feel like that's going to mess someone up learning three channel into four channel a little. 
Yeah, see, yes and no, Would I'd say, with that. Like, because you're actually doing the turning. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's the rudder, but it's doing the turning. It's, it's Yeah. It could screw you up. Yeah. I mean, to I, this day. I think it would be better if you did have it on the on the throttle, if you had the rudder in the proper place. Because mm-hmm. then you're going to learn, okay, the rudder does this, and I'm going to need to apply a little elevator, you know? Right. Because I only started flying that Scout. I think that was my first three-channel elevator rudder plane, but that was after a couple of years of flying. Mm-hmm. The rest were all um, ailerons and elevator. Right. Or elevons. So, yeah, because I think, like, I mean, I, I do it even to this day. Like, I'll fly to Vigan, and I'll be hitting an imaginary rudder because yeah. I want, like, I'm, you know, so now if you flip it the other way where you have a rudder but you don't have your um, ailerons, it just it messes my, it's just like a little bit of mess up in my mind. You know, maybe for others it doesn't. I don't think, for me, in the way I learned, I wouldn't put elevons, elevon mixing. I would keep that on the aileron and the elevator stick, on the right stick. I wouldn't put mm-hmm. that to the rudder stick at all. You know what no, I mean? I, no, yeah, yeah. I think ailerons Unless there is a physical rudder. Yeah, rudder, I think, needs to be on that channel, on the left stick rudder. I don't think, like, if it's a three-channel where it only has rudder and tail, I think the, th- the rudder should be on the left, like you were saying. On, yeah. on mode two, of course, too, we're talking about. Yeah, but then I think that confuses people, too. You know, so it kind of, like, works in both ways. It's probably easier to learn with having a right stick control and your left stick just throttle. Um, as you get over, like, the fear of crashing, the fear of, you know, just the overall fear part of flying, then once you get used to that, then you can start learning the four channels and, you know, retrain your brain to know, okay, the runner is now on the left. If I just hold left on the stick, all I'm going to do is roll the plane. It's not going to turn, you know? So, yeah, like I'm, I'm not like with Chloe, I don't know how to introduce the fourth channel to her yet. You know, she's still not a hundred percent comfortable with three channels, but, um, you know, I kind of want her to learn a three, a four channel right off the bat, but you know, with the FT trainer, I was figuring let's keep the parts count low and yeah, and yeah. just kind of simplify it as as much as possible. So how about helicopter while aircraft? I would say yeah, the other end of the spectrum. They are complicated. They are yeah, even even a, a four channel. I mean, let's not talk about three or three point five all that garbage. A basic fist pitch. Uh, that should be helicopter. the eleventh myth. Myth three point five helicopters. That is a myth. <laughs> yeah. What is the point five? I don't know. I have no idea. They claim it's a gyro. I don't know. Yeah. Is yeah, that the right. gyro that the guy was eating while he was assembling it? I mean, <laughs> the hero. Jeez. <laughs> um, but anyways, so yeah, hel- I think that yeah, the helicopters are complicated. Yeah. From four um, channel on up, for sure. Yeah, four channel. You know, it gets complicated. Like even to this day, I don't understand how a four channel helicopter works. But the- having two servos for your uh, your swash plate, I, I don't yeah. understand how two servos can do a full movement of <laughs> forward, backwards flight. You know, all the upright flights. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand that either. It's kind of like the they they work in unison on the elevator and the they work opposing each other for the aileron. I don't know, man. It's, yeah, it's weird. It's that, and I think it's also because the blades are fixed pitch. Um, your motor is handling your actual, I guess, collective almost. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know how, how 
high goes, how low it goes. But then I, I think it's because, like, if you ever look at it, it's like you have a, a, a servo on the side and a servo on the rear or, or the front. Like, yeah, you know, or like it's kind of like a, and then a little angle, right? It's like not 90 degrees from each other. It's like 120 or 140 or something like that. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, but I think the way the helicopters, it does that because of the whole, um, oh, what's the name of it? The, it's like, you know, a helicopter blade, it doesn't, the movement you do on the swash, when the blades become perpendicular to the helicopter is when that movement actually goes into effect. Like precedent, um, ah. Is it the weighted fly bar? Um, yeah, just the way that the blades, like, work. Like, on a f- collective helicopter, like, when you make a change in the swash, when those blades become 90 degrees, that's when it actually does what, it, what it's what you're trying to do. Oh, okay. It's like a precedent, whatever. I can't think of the name, but um, yeah. I mean, and that that you know, and then when you get to collective, it's super complicated. Like as far as like you know, having a fixed uh, motor, fixed head speed, and then you're now you're only moving pitch, and and you got to understand how the blades go up and down to give you different pitch, and then how you know the swash is kind of cool because it's kind of easy. It tilts forward to go forward, back and back, you know. But you just look at it just by looking at the two, it, you can yeah. tell a, a, a helicopter is much more complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, there's linkages, more servos, and I see guys it, show up with stuff still to this day, and I'm like, what is that? What does that do? What's that over right. there? How does this work? I still don't know how a governor works on on them, so. I'm hoping we mm-hmm. can do maybe a show on that one day. Yeah, I got to do some more research. I know the basics of governors, but to to really go in depth into it, I need to definitely learn myself. You know, um, yeah. So it gets complicated. I really don't. I really would say in this myth that uh, quadcopters are kind of middle road. They're really they are a little bit complicated as far as the setup, but they're not physically the to look at them. I don't think they're. I don't personally think they're that complicated. So, well, how does a multi-rotor turn? How does a quad turn? I don't know. It turns by... It puts tor- its signal on, sticks its hand out the window. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It turns so, like, by, like, torque of the, the two opposing motors, like the two diagonally across yeah. motors or something, right? So it does it by torque. Yeah. Plane turns by um, the refracting the air, right? Right. You know, pushing against the air that is flowing over the wing or the the control surface. Helicopters do it by changing the angle of the blades. Um, they all do it different ways. Yeah. And um, the quads are the hardest to really because it's all computer controlled. It's not like you're you're programming anything. It's just kind of like yeah, you do you can program it. You can adjust your pids. You can adjust you know your rates and and your expo and all that stuff. But it's like you know, you set a rate and like you don't know how fast is the other motor. Is it it's been these motors slower or that motor slower? I don't know. It just does it, right? The flight control just takes care of it for you. Same thing with helicopters. I mean, if you think about it, we fly with these flybarless units, right? Yeah, I was just gonna say that. You know, before flybarless was the fly barred heli and it was a mechanical helper to keep the helicopter level. This now it's all electronically done, so you know that's why you do your flight checks. You tilt the heli. Does it tilt the swash the other way, trying to fight the direction you're tilting? You know. Yeah. But now you're it- now you're telling the computer, I want to turn right, and it's taking in, in account of what it has to do 
to make right. you turn right. It's not With all the sensors and everything. Yeah, it's no longer like you're mechanically and, and the sensors and the computers or what whatever little computer there is is compensating mm-hmm. for you know the vibrations and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, and your your rate. Like, I mean, think about just keep like if you had no gyros on a helicopter, think about the tail. Yeah, I, all over the place. It would be such a handful to hold, you know, that tail holding, you know, on a straight line. Well, that's why when Chris said he would put the four bladed head on some of the T Rex stuff, and he mm-hmm. would, they would, they would run a helicopter without a gyro at all, just at the lower head speeds. It was, it was kind of easier to maintain at the lower head speeds, I guess. I guess because less torque of the yeah, the, I, I this counteracting. My brain tail. still couldn't understand that. Yeah. But I mean, like even like more recently, he had the, that Pantera. Yeah, it was a four-bladed head, no gyro on the head, and it was fly barless. Yeah, and you only had like a tail gyro to keep the tail straight, uh, you know, heading hold. Um, and he was flying it. I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like think you know. You could like, see it. Well, he, well, he flew it like that, and then he actually put a uh, a he, neo in there. He put mm-hmm. a neo on it. Yeah, you could see without the. The Neo and just the gyro, yeah, it was, the tail was like f- wagging around a little bit. Well, but that was the tail. The tail wasn't tuned. Because that's what the tail gyro should take care of. It should tune that out. I, but I thought he said head? that they were flying without anything on a, yeah. on, on a fly barless head. I think back then, yeah. But I'm talking about like more recently with his, this four. No, when, when, when he was on the, sh- the show one, at one point, he said that with a, with a, with a floor, four bladed head, they were running without a fly bar and without a gyro, just keeping the head speed down. He would, they, they were able to control the, the helicopter. I don't know, it seems like it would be a handful. Yeah. I guess flying scale, you can concentrate fully on just Yeah, that's what it was. It was scale. scale. Yep. You know, try to do that with a 3D. Try to do flips and rolls and TikToks. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> that no. ain't happening. No. So, yeah, um, I think that's uh, – it's a full range of spectrum. They are, you can go and get a not not complicated you know aircraft to a fully like holy crap! I do not understand anything on this aircraft at all. Helicopter, multi rotor, whatever it is. Um, so there is a learning curve of that once you get into that. And ask for help. Get help. Yeah. If you want to know more. All right. So the next one here. My favorite one. Yeah. Okay. So myth number eight: You need a license to fly. This is definitely showing its, uh, you know, dated age. Yeah. So he wrote, there is no need for any sort of government radio or pilot certificate to fly a small electric radio control model. As a matter of fact, with the need breed of ready-to-fly foam model airplanes, what a weird I think he meant with the new breed. Uh, With a new breed, yeah. Yeah, that was like, that kind of sounds weird. (laughs) You can fly in your own backyard. And you wrote in here, busted, boom, busted. <laughs> okay, may, maybe a, a year or two years ago, yes, um, but no, not anymore. Yeah. F, our lovely FAA has uh, put a stop to that. Now the FAA, without the rights of the court, as a uh, court system, has instructed all pilots to be registered mm-hmm. with the FAA. Yep. Even if and- you're in your own backyard. They can march right in and say, Johnny, put that freaking transmitter down. Not even that. They could just find you right there in the spot. And, right. Find you 30 grand or whatever. Yeah, they can okay. act like the officials at the neat fair. Yeah. <laughs> Land that plane, oh, and as soon as it's on the ground, I'm going to stomp on it. 
you you really had a bad experience there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't have an exp- bad experience. Uh, well, flight yes. tested. Yeah, flight tested. Um, so beyond the FAA, you know, FPV, 5.8 gigahertz is a restricted band, um, you know, a bandwidth that you can only, if it's like 25 millihertz, you're able to fly without a license, without a... a Amateur oh, really? ham radio license. Yeah, I think so, anything above 200, I think anything above 225 millihertz, milliwatts, sorry, is um, it's, you have to get a ham license. Cool. Amateur ham license to, to use that frequency band. So I break the law every time I fly that Electro Hub. Yeah, 600 every especially. Time. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know. It seems like it's not really something, you know, that. A lot of people know about or getting a ham amateur ham license, you know, it's not hard. Well, let's not bring it to anybody's attention or that'll be the next thing they want us to do. Yeah, I don't really care about FPV too much anymore. (laughs) I mean, I have fun flying the quads, but, you know, if they said, oh, you can't fly quads anymore tomorrow, I'd be like, okay, that kind of sucks. I'll sell it, whatever. (laughs) All right. So we joked around a lot with this myth, but I would like to say, though, you don't need a license to fly, but it would be in. Uh, in your best interest to join the AMA as and there might be and people out register there that, your FAA. Yeah. Well, yeah, register with the FAA if you well, want to fly. Well, that's a that's a must. If you want to fly at any of your events, they're gonna they're gonna make sure that you not like, even that flying in in a park. Yeah. FAA, FAA more than you need AMA. Right. Well, FAA is government and AMA is is for your own protection, like insurance. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Definitely, I mean, it's, even with the cost increase for AMA, it's definitely worth to get an AMA um, just for the insurance coverage, you know. Yeah, I mean, because, well, I mean, the first couple of years you're flying, if you don't want to do that, you don't have to. But eventually, you know, you know you're probably going to want to go to an event, an indoor event, an outdoor event, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they require it. Right? And, yeah, and they're going to require, you know, that you're an AMA pilot. And not even if you, even if you never want to do a fun fly, that you know you don't care. You just you're in the middle of nowhere, and there's nothing but farmland and open field, and you don't see yourself wanting to, you know, like or gonna fly with other people or join a club. Get AMA, especially when you start getting into bigger models, because that insurance. If you crash a hundred inch wing, you know, airplane, even if it's nowhere, but you end up crashing into a parked car or you end up, you know, God forbid, crash into yourself, you know, AMA will, will cover that, you know. Yeah, I think that. Some of that or most off, of the. Right. I've heard that uh, they have covered stuff that's not on an AMA sanctioned field and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard those stories. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, not that expensive. It's like 100 yeah. bucks, right? 70, uh, 80 bucks. Eighty bucks now. Yeah, eighty bucks a year, and I I did my two years for seventy five, save ten bucks, you know, whatever. And, you know, helicopters, you know, you can crash into something really easy, you know. Yeah. A parked car, house, something. Yep. Uh, same thing for plane, you know. You like say you have a brownout on a plane, you're full throttle, you're doing a flyby, and for some reason, you know, something gets like you lose radio. That thing's going to just keep on going to crash into something. Hopefully yeah. nothing, you know. Do you reverse bad. the ailerons or <laughs> fly into somebody's head? 
<laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> like so, I did. So get AMA. Uh, you know, it's highly recommended. Um, all right. Enough of that crap. Let's move on to the next one. Myth nine. You must join a club to enjoy RC model flight. There this are, is a must. This is a must. You no. must. No. Uh, oh, not at all. There are many model plane clubs for the enthusiasts. They provide a great resource for information, tips, and camaraderie. However, there is no requirement at all for you to be a member of one of these clubs to fly your model. Yes. So you don't have to join so a club. You don't no. have to join a club. But, but I would recommend that as much as I would recommend joining the AMA. Me too. Yeah, I totally agree. Joining a club, it just makes the hobby so much better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was going to say, I, we had a, I had a blast at the two years we had up at Green Pond, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of fun up there, but I swear, I, every time I go down to the club on, the, on a Saturday, it's like I'm going to a fun fly. Like, I have so much fun when I go down there just screwing around, having a good time, hanging out with the mm-hmm. guys and... Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. I have a great time. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I think the Green Pond days, we were our own club. Yeah. Like, I look forward to, you know, meeting up with you and, and Jeff. And, you know, later in the, the our I guess, you know, time there was Muse and Chad. Like, it was it was good to, you know. Yep. The, the thing you want is the camaraderie. You want... You know, you, Jeff, myself, say Anthony, Rick, Chris, we're all in this because we love this hobby. We love to share this hobby with each other and, and you know, like have fun flying, right? Yeah. Like, think about if you're doing this by yourself for years. No. I can't. I can't think about yeah, it. Yeah, I can't. Like, I'd just be like, uh, you know, eventually, like, life will get, you know busy and you just kind of be like ah yeah i don't have time but like i'm i want to make the time to hang out with you guys and fly like i, I you know yeah it's, oh yeah so it's it's like that's what's keeping me you know progressing and pushing in the hobby is that i want to i want to meet up with you guys joke around have fun flying see each other get better you know like just all of that yeah, yeah it's hard to explain because i'm not doing anything I don't know if I'm doing much different that I that I'll do when I go down to the local field, you know, if I have a couple minutes after work and I'll go down there and, and put a couple helicopters in the air. But it's just the experience, man, just hanging out with everybody and mm-hmm. you know. And you got to say that, you know, you uh definitely try more things and progress in yeah. your skills and your ability because you see like, okay, Oh, look, you know, Steve did this. Oh, Steve I can do that. How do, you, how do you do that, Steve? Oh, here's yeah. how you do it. All right, I'll try it. Yeah, you know? Yeah, or for like, sure. You know, if, if there's any, I always tell, like, anyone, like, you know, Muse, anyone, like, if there's any move you want to learn, like Anthony, too, like, anything you want to learn, like, I'll stand in there next to you and be like, down, right, left, like, you know, like, I'll guide you through that maneuver so that way you can understand how it's done and then you can perfect it. You know, like I'm, I want to train people to fly helicopters. I want helicopters to rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, I I'm, hear you. So, and I get some I, hate mail for that. I've definitely uh, taken more chances at the field. I mean, geez, there's been a couple of close calls I've had. Yeah, but I mean, think and about, not just like, over my head. Right, but like, think about like, I mean, you're you're 
flying inverted way lower now than I've ever seen you. You're flying inverted, you know, period. Yeah. But think about Green Pond. You know, every time you flew heli, it was all figure eights upright. Yeah. Yep. You know? Like, I don't even think you really try flipping it and doing flips or, you know, maybe you might have tried a little once or twice, but it was all figure eights. No, I don't think I flipped that 450 you know? at all, man. Then, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't even remember doing that at any point in time with that thing. Right. Well, and that, so, it was just that was that was at the point where I bought that, that. That was at the point where I had I was done with the the Trex clones and I saw that on Rex. eBay. Yeah. The Align Trex. T-Rex. T-Rex. Yeah, I don't think it's called Trex. I think All it's right. pronounced T-Rex. See how much I know? I know nothing. <laughs> but I was done with those. And I I saw that uh, you were flying yours, the Beast X. The Blade 450X. Yeah. yeah. The Blade with the Beast. I call it the Beast X. I don't know why. <laughs> because it, it has, because the, Beast it has the Beast X in it. Right. Yeah, you were flying yours. I saw one on eBay. It was really cheap. I got it. But yeah, it was, I think I recommended it. Like, you got to just get this one. And it's, it's just. Yeah, you know, it, was, it was a little banged lines. up. I fixed it. And uh, I can remember being so happy when. You and I were able to get you more than me. Were able to get that freaking plane, that helicopter flying. Uh, yeah. I was just like, dude, I thank God I didn't. Now I'm, I'm finally coming. Like this is like years in the making. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I finally actually have a helicopter model that I can take home with me in one piece. Yeah, and so, I think that kind of yeah, go. Sorry. I think that's why I didn't push it too hard. You know, with that helicopter, mm-hmm. that's why I did the figure eights and stuff like that. Yeah, but now look at you now, man. Yeah, that was that was only a year ago. Yeah, that's hard to believe. You know, I mean, seriously. I and mean, I have a, I have a freaking I have so much more fun and uh, I. Have but not even of... that. You have a whole fleet of helicopters, first of all. Yeah, true. And it's yeah. not just one model with like parts for another one, or you know, like you yeah. have what two oxys and two goblins, right? Yep. You know, and, and you're stepping into the five seventy, the big heli range. You know, within a year of you being more serious about helis, I'll say. Um, yeah. You know, like, and you're not just upright figure eights anymore. You are killing it no, out there. For sure. And I, and I, I hear myself saying just killing it. And I, I hate saying it now, but you really are doing so well. I didn't think, I, I got to freaking just say, I, I didn't think I was doing that much. I didn't think I was doing that much as flying until I saw the video that yeah. you took of me flying the Oxy. And I was yeah. like, wow, that actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, you're like, doing a lot damn. of cool stuff. You know, and your your twenty twenty thirty foot you know skid slides at the end. You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man, so those are too so much fun. I, yeah, I, I mean, do, would you have thought like, I don't know, when you first started messing with the T Rex that you'd be flying this well and and you know getting into like you have basically you know a fleet of helicopters that that are, you know are full. Full hardcore 3D helicopters that you can just do whatever a, you know a pro can. Obviously, our flight skills are limiting, but like you give that to a pro, they can do anything. Yeah, and I know, like I, on that thing, dude. I'd have to say every helicopter I have now is attributed to joining the club. I probably wouldn't wouldn't even have known what an oxy helicopter was if I didn't join the club. I definitely wouldn't have had the 380 that Anthony sold me, and our connection with Chris was was through Anthony. So. I wouldn't have a 570 either. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all through the club, really. And you, yeah. Yeah, you don't need to join a club, but, you know, why not? 
Yeah. Why it, not? It, Why not hang with people that enjoy the same hobby as you? And if they're douchebags, leave and find another club. Yep. Yeah. Uh, most clubs have like a trial period where either you're on probation or, you know, they, you don't have to like you'll get like a one month trial with the club when you hand in your application. Um, definitely find out if the club is the right fit for you because not all clubs will be the right fit. Not all people are the right fit for each other, right? I mean, yeah, we, we lucked out with this club, but, you know. Yeah, and I want to have Mike on uh, to discuss what he went through to actually become president and make the club what it is today because he, he took over for somebody else, but he has a lot of insight on like yeah. what it would be to start a club and what yeah, he's done definitely. with the club so far. Mm-hmm. Because I know at one point we, when at Green Pond we were thinking about starting a club, you know, and started kind of looking into, you know, the logistics of it, and it was kind of difficult to get a field, like to, you know, because you have to petition to get a field or get the town on board and all that stuff. So I know he did get this uh, the Polder Farm field, so we can right. definitely have a great episode with talking about you know allocating a field and all the stuff and yeah. you know making a club what it is now. I, I mean, our club has been around for. What is it like? The 60s, I think. Yeah, I would say over 50 years, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, obviously Mike's only been... He's only been president for like three years, I think, or only been... He's, he's only, only been, been in the hobby for in, three years. Right. Yeah, like, so he's only been... the same time we started flying, he started flying. Yeah. You know, so... Which and is amazing. Right. Um. So, yeah, definitely join. Try to find a good club. It's it's worth it. And yeah. you will find the clubs that aren't a right fit. I thought Wayne... Modelers was, for the most part, I didn't think it was the right fit. I didn't really, you know, like there's a couple people I got along with. It was cool. But the the rules of the club, the the, uh, field and the town rules was so restricting. I just, I didn't like it. I couldn't deal with it, you know? Yeah. So, and, and it could be more than just the people that you might not get along with. You might not get along with the the way that the club functions, right? So. Yeah. Yep. Definitely definitely try before you buy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, all right, let's move on to myth number 10. Myth 10. Learning to fly an RC airplane is discouraging. Uh, until the advent of lightweight, ready-to-fly foam aircraft, your typical trainer weighed 2 to 3 pounds, was constructed of balsa, was powered by a gas engine. These birds flew fast, and any hard landing or crash potentially involved extensive damage. <laughs> yeah, uh, combined with the lack of computer flight simulator, it was just it was discouraging and time consuming to learn how to fly a model airplane. I laughed because any hard landing or crash potentially involved extensive damage. Yeah, any crash is going to involve extensive yeah. damage. <laughs> right, a balsa plane for sure. Yeah, but learning to fly, I think that has changed. You like done a complete one eighty. I think learning mm-hmm. to fly is has become way easier. Is is not discouraging at all. I mean, and that's just, and that, I don't know. I can, I can attribute that to the individual. Like, I mean, you can't get pissed when you crash. You're going to crash, man. You Uh deal with it. Cause that's part of the hobby. Yeah. I mean, so when I was back as a kid, I got discouraged from flying RC airplanes. So in my eyes at that age and that level, I was, this is true. It is discouraging because if you don't know what you're doing, you're just going to crash and have to pay money or fix it or take this time or buy a new one. Like, it, it is. But now it's totally different. 
Yeah. Like you were saying, it did a, a, a whole 180. You know, you get an apprentice, right? Yeah, you might spend a bit of money for it. Um, but this, the beginner mode is ridiculously easy to fly. Yeah, yep. Um, then once you get out of beginner mode, it still has safe. So you hit a button and it self-levels itself. So you, and any weird thing you get into, boop, you hit a button, you're okay. You know, you have time to think. It's computers, technology has totally changed the game. Dollar Tree Foam has changed the game. Dollar Tree Foam or just <laughs> Foam, right, in general I, has I, changed the game. I thought of Flight Test when I was saying it's done a complete 180 because those guys, like like Fred says, you know, they crash every episode. They're always laughing when they crash. I never, you know, they never are like, damn it, or whatever, you know, when they right, crash. Right, right. They like never that. get upset, really. No, because you know? it's Foam. You can build it and yeah. you're back out again. Build another. Yeah. Go out. Yep. So yeah, I so mean, they've they've took the they they took the yeah the discouraging part out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I again helicopters I think is the other way around. That could be potentially be discouraging. It was for me for a while, but I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't let that stop me with the whole flight hobby though. Like I moved on to other things. Like I built a plane or I was mm-hmm. flying the multi rotors. You know. Yep. Um, for me. Once I started flying a helicopter, I was it was over for me. It didn't matter if I crashed every single like every single moment. I I just I I loved it. Like I thought it was so cool, so challenging. When you do when you do like achieve a little goal like you know that that bank turn that you do, it's like it stayed level and it was fast and you know like it wasn't a lot of corrections. Like you get so much joy out of it. I yeah. I didn't care if I crashed. And I've crashed, you know, I don't even know how many times. That Blade 450, oh, my God. That thing, <laughs> that thing, I fixed it every weekend for a year, year and a half. Like, you know, always crashing every single time, you know. And sometimes it would be like 30 seconds, crash. Oh, well, okay. You know, and that's when I realized I need more than one helicopter. <laughs> and I think, you know, you can get to a point, even if you know how to fly a helicopter relatively well, like we might get to a point where we're kind of like we're we're plateauing. We don't know what to, what move to try next. I don't know yeah. if that'll happen, but I could see that happening. And you might get yeah. discouraged from that. But I, my answer to that is just like try something else. Like, man, I I I, I built that freaking uh, that twisted hobbies crack beaver after mm-hmm. seeing Jeff get that, and and we had I still have so much fun with that plane had that thing yeah. for over a year to like and that's just like and that's something slow you could do like crazy stuff with it but it mm-hmm. you know you could slow it down and took that to neff and people were complimenting me on that thing they were like you really love that thing i was like yeah man it's a pisser yeah and driving around on the wheels and and <laughs> one of the things i want to say is that, okay say you say you're a helicopter guy like i want to learn helicopters I, this is my passion don't be scared to like if you get discouraged a little in a helicopter, don't be scared to go into, you know, trying a plane, even if it's not your thing. One thing that's helped me fly, get used to inverted, is flying a plane inverted. Yeah, you know, so you can take definitely those things. And you know, for me, like at the end of the day, if I have a plane with me, I'll fly a plane because it just helps me relax. It's like that nightcap, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, just kind of relax and just glide around and you know have fun. That's what um, I used to say about the Kunai. It was like the last plane I would fly. Mm-hmm. It was just so like relaxing. 
But yeah, yeah. you're right though. Like inverted forward flight on an yeah. airplane, the rudder is going to react the it, same way. The rudder and uh, you need an elevator. It correlates exactly the same. Right. Just for forward flight inverted, of course. I mean, once helicopters yeah. obviously can do it backwards and sideways and every other way you can think of. But um, yeah. Yep. But that helps you, right? It helps train your brain. Yeah. You know, I'm moving same these maneuver. two sticks together or out from each other, you know, like that type of moving you, you know, when you're flying upright, you don't really think about, but when yep. you fly inverted, you have to, or yep. you have to get to a point where you don't have to think about it, which is where I'm trying to get. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So don't get discouraged, you know, push on. What is that? Those, those stupid shirts carry on or whatever, <laughs> You know, like the cat continue. poster, hang in there, hang in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, eventually, I don't have one of those cat posters. Yeah, sure. You know, it's right <laughs> of your bed. Anyways. <laughs> um, and I think and, I, and uh, to touch on multi rotors real quick, dude, I think oh, yeah. multi rotors that can be discouraging when you're doing FPV. Like the first couple of times you try to go through a race course, you know, I, I can, oh, yeah. I can easily see how, yeah, I've hit the ground again and then you got to go out there. You got to wait till they stop and, you know, mm-hmm. run out there and get it and change the prop and, or flight controllers or flight controllers in your case. <laughs> yeah. I can see how that could be a little discouraging, but you know, yeah. don't try to pound it out. Like, yeah, you get done. Like, I don't know if it's Nick or, uh, it's not Justin or Dan, but it's, it's either Nick or, um, or Jesse on on RCHN who's who said just this last podcast they that's why they bring out a bunch of different things I mean they fly all helicopters but a bunch of different helis nitro um, electric yeah Nick was saying about his nitro because he doesn't let that get him down like when he has problems with the nitro uh, yeah. I I I don't know why it's not starting and this broker that's not right I just put it to the side and I fly something else yeah and, and have my fun and that's yep. I think that's a great way to look at it. It is, you know, and that's why you, in the helicopter world, it's nice to have more than one helicopter. Um, because, yeah, you're going to crash. You'll be like, oh, crap, I crashed. Oh, well, all right, let me fly this one, you know, let me fly that one. Let me switch to a plane. Let me do a couple runs on the multi-road, of course. Like, you know, just. Right, that can relate to guys like us that fly everything. Mm-hmm, you know, but, like, have fun in the hobby. Don't. Don't be overly concerned about, like, your progression too much. You know, like, learn at your own pace. But don't settle either. Like, don't be nervous to try something new. Do it. <laughs> you know, like, I, I won't – you have to – you know, it's, it's not that you have to grow, but it's it's so much enjoyment and self-like um, gratification, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word. And if there's anything <laughs> Steve knows is gratifying himself. Dude, <laughs> No, but like you know, you wanna you know, when you do a new move and it looks good, it's just like you. Everyone else is like, "Whoa, that's awesome!" And you're like, "Whoa, I can't believe I did that!" You know, like it's so it's so upbringing, you know. It's and so I think if you, for me, like I I watched some pilots and I watched some routines and a lot of it I couldn't figure out what they're doing. But mm-hmm. like I told uh, Chris and Kyle Stacy when they were they were on, I said. I I watched a video that Kyle Stacy did where he did those inverted pyros and went up and did the little flip and I was like, oh wow, I know what he did there. I could probably do that. You know, once you know what what he's doing or what controls what and how it's supposed mm-hmm. to work. I mean, then I started practicing on the sim and now I'm doing it almost every time I fly. Yeah, 
And I think, uh, especially with helis, I mean planes too and motors, at a certain point of your progression, it clicks. Oh, yes. The orientation clicks. You're, you don't think about it. You, you can, you're comfortable enough to try different things because you're not worried about, do I give a right? Do I give a left? Do I go, you know, like, which way do I do with stick? Because it just clicks. It just kind of becomes second thought, you know? Yeah, and that clicking for me took a while. It took a while, but now that it clicked, like, look at your progression. It's, yeah, you know gone up so much it's you've advanced so much and i feel like same thing for me you know i'm uh, i don't i did not practice orientation i'm be the first one to admit it yeah, dude you I went know, right for pyro flips i went right from no i went right from tail and hover to flips to tiktoks yeah that's that was my progression and the only reason i was able to do um stall turns and left and right passes is because i flew planes so i knew you know, like orientation yeah. a little bit by that way, like forward flight orientation. But now I'm like, I'm doing, you know, I mean, sloppy, but I'm doing backwards flying upright tail hurricanes. Like, you know, and on, especially on the sim, they look great. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> you you're know? doing, you're doing some backwards stuff. Yeah. yeah I'm doing backwards loops. I'm doing a lot of stuff backwards because I feel more comfortable flying backwards um, with the, the sticks. So yeah, it looks and they great, click for man. me that way. And, you know, that's what I'm doing. And, Soon, uh, something else will click, and I'll I'll be like, oh, okay, this makes sense. I'm doing these. I'm I'm learning over speeds. You know, I'm doing bunny hops. Those those are starting to click. Yeah. You know, the leapfrogging thing I do, like that's starting to click. Like all these things are starting to click. Where like now my leapfrogs, like it kind of it, it still needs a little bit of uh, um, you know, like finesse, not finesse, but uh, you know, more accurate. But like I'm leapfrogging, like I'll flip the heli upside down, do a 180, then flip the other way out. Nice. You know? Right, you saw that. Like I've been doing that more and it's like It was your backwards flying that impressed me. I was like, wow man, you've really been practicing with that. Yeah. Like and I and, and you know, I haven't lost my upright forward flight. I can still no. do it. You know, I could I'd still do hurricanes forward flight too, but backwards just looks cool. I don't know, because a plane flies forward. Yeah. Because of backwards. Yeah. You know? I haven't tried any backwards stuff, man. You know? Quads, they only fly really forward. They can fly backwards, but you never see an FPV quad flying backwards. You know, no. so like it's something unique to the helicopter, which I love that like it just looks so cool flying backwards, that tail just kind of leading the way. Yep. So anyways, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the the this main section here, the topic, um, you know, I would say half of these are pretty much busted. You know, or somewhat apply and somewhat don't. Possible maybe. I think overall it- a lot of them apply to the person themselves and and mm-hmm. how much, you know, how much you're into it, how much you want to what you want to get out of the hobby. Right. Like they say you're not you're only going to get out what you put in. Yeah, exactly. Um the time you put in, you know, obviously some people will will get it quicker, some people won't. You know, it may take a little longer. Don't be discouraged. That's probably the number one thing I, I would say. If you're taking anything from this main topic episode of uh, RCMS is don't be discouraged. If you have fun and you enjoy the hobby, that's all it's about. Like just just keep at it. Yep. Everything else will come in, in line with it, you know? Cool. Sweet. All right, let's do the news. Okay, man. Well, I saw that they debuted a flight of... The Spirit of St. Louis, it's uh, not the original. It's, I think it was the wingspan was widened a little bit. 
they did something with the wingspan because I met the guy at um at the Ram show, mm-hmm. and uh, they just they just had a flight yesterday up at uh, Rhinebeck Aerodrome up in Upper New York State, and there's nice. a video, and that that plane just intrigues me because there's no windshield, there's no way to look out the front of the aircraft. Um, so I asked the guy at, at the Ram show, I was like, so how do you land this thing? You know, like, and, uh, he was like, well, you just kind of like look out the window and turn sideways, you know, turn 90 degrees and yeah. line it up with the runway that way. I'm like thinking this guy flew across the Atlantic ocean with this thing. That's amazing, man. Wow. Yeah. So that, that video is online. If you want to check that out, <laughs> are you still there? No, I'm still here. I'm just trying to decide if I should bust your chops or not. <laughs> what are you going to bust my chops about? So so is this playing RC? No. <laughs> it's not RC. It was just in the news. I thought it was something cool. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, should I bust your chops? Ah, no. Well, that's now I'm going to leave it in now that you're busting my chops. <laughs> I thought there was an RC podcast, man. Oh, Free it's not. RC yeah, podcast? well. Allow, <laughs> allow me to be a little bit biased and put something I like in the news. No problem. You can do whatever you want. Nice. It's all good. Because <laughs> you right. know, if you said no, I was just going to record it later and just edit it in anyways. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, I actually have a little bit of news, um, heli related, RC heli related. Okay. <laughs> uh, Protos. Protos is coming out. Uh, M. SH Protos is coming out for 380 size helicopter. Um, from what I can tell from the uh, the little preview pics I saw on Facebook, that it is very similar to the Mini Protos with all the new features of the Protos Max. So it has the uh, carbon fiber, you know, 380 uh, main blade size, kind of like the Goblin 380 size, right? It's a normal pot and boom. The boom, as far as I can tell, is sort of like the Oxy where it doesn't have boom supports. Okay. I can't tell if it's a round boom or if it's like a, you know, a rectangle squarish kind of boom, but um I noticed that it uses the uh, same magnetic easy on easy off uh, canopy mounts that the Protos Max where you can kind of one-handed those go click and everything just lines right up and clicks in. It has the power bus system or system bus, I forgot what their their trademark name is, but basically the frame has um, traces in it so you can wire everything up to the frame so it cleans up your wiring job on the heli so you don't have wires running all over the heli it's a uh, f- you know it's, so what do you run your servos through that yeah you plug your servos in one end and then on the other end it plugs into your flybars and it's same thing with power ground all that stuff oh that's weird yeah it's kind of like a, a integrated quad frame type of deal I guess yeah but I don't understand that though because on the helicopter, you're really not running servos that long, so I guess. Yeah, I think it's more for like the. Uh, I know it's definitely more for the ESC, your your power, um, you know, just to lessen up the you know, lessen up the wiring, right? Just kind of clean it up where you go right from you know, say your ESC right into the frame, and then right out from there, it'll come out to the air. I guess that's your fibros unit. That's an optional thing, I guess. Um, in the frame, the pictures I saw, it was with that. Okay. It probably is an optional. I know for the Protos Max, it's an optional upgrade. Um, I can see that being an optional upgrade for this size heli. Because not everybody's going to want or need it, especially if it's like a trainer 
They want more of a robust heli that if they crash it and crack the frame, a little CA, you'll be okay, or epoxy. You know, not having to, like, oh, your trace now broken. Now you need to, you know, replace the side frame get or whatever. Get the soldering iron out. Or get the soldering iron. Or, yeah. Yeah, that's that's weird. Okay. Um, but it does look cool. It runs a traditional um, head with the following links and not a DFC style. Um, but it looks just like a Protos, you know. The canopy is very Protos-ish. Like, it's very MSH Protos-looking, obviously. Um, it just looks like a Protos Max, but shrunken down to a 380 size. So it would be quite interesting to see how the parts count is, how it crashes, how uh, durability is. Because I know the mini Protos, I mean, you've heard from John at the club and, and Rick. They are just yeah, they all about that. the mini Protos. They're like, Doesn't yeah. Jim have one, too? Uh, Jim has, I believe, I think he might have the mini, but I know he has the the 500 size, the, the uh, regular size, the Protos. Okay. So yeah, that's that's new, and that's about it that I have. I remember seeing something else, but I don't. Eh. Yeah, that's what I got. All right, what's next for you in the hobby? Let's go with Kevin. Oh, I was gonna <laughs> say me. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude. So. Number one, what's going to be new for me in the hobby or what's going to be next for me in the hobby is I'm flying this Saturday. I don't care what happens. I don't know nice. what the weather's going to be like, but I'm, I'm flying no matter what. And I, hopefully I can drag that 200% Mustang down to the field. I want to fix the motor and that. I just got to adjust a few things and bring that back out and get some flights in on that. Should be fun. I just want to go have fun, man. Yeah. I just want to fly. Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. Fly with good friends, you know. It's like, you know, Sunday, I could have probably gone out to, like, the park for, like, 30 minutes and just put, like, two, three flights in. But it's not the same. I don't know. It really isn't. Yeah. And even when I go to the club and there's days where, like, I'll get there, you know, like a weekday maybe that I'm off, that I have scheduled time off, and I'll, I'll go to the club and I'm the only one there. It's cool, but... It's not the same, not being able to share the experience. So, you know, usually when Rick comes by, then we'll have a good time. We'll just, you know, back-to-back flights. Like, he'll fly, I'll fly, just back-to-back. And, you know, we'll just kind of have fun, talk about heli stuff. You know, it's great. Cool. So what's next for you in the hobby? So um, the Oxy 3 Tariq Tarek, um, is rebuilt. Yay. <laughs> in my haste though of ordering this thing like you know i was like uh i gotta i gotta you know okay i got some money allocated for this let me put an order in um i was doing it basically <laughs> on the train to work oh jeez. where you know i text you you know and i was like so i'm gonna put this order in and i'm like okay i get the order going and, and i put this order in and i'm like wait a minute I got everything in yesterday and I started looking through the box and I'm I, I'm starting rebuilding my oxy and I'm like, wait a minute. I don't have main blades for the Tariq Tarek. Uh, uh, I'm like, uh, I guess I forgot to order main blades for this. So, you know, no worries. Um, I, I could put an order in. I was just like, I'll just go to Heli Direct and just order them. Um, you know, it's fine. So I, I got that on order. I also got a yellow tail blade because I'm getting, I'm getting a yellow blades for this one instead of the the neon orange or red that it came with. Look at so, you. Yeah. Well, with the new skids, the low-profile skids I got on it, which I think look awesome. I'm, yeah, those are pretty cool. I'm really stoked about the way it looks. I, I am going to change something, I think, but 
it's just the, with the color, you know. But um, yeah, I really like the way they look. Uh, I posted pictures on our Facebook page already. Um, I also got the uh, with that Link's order. Obviously, I I got a couple parts for the 380, so that I got the DFC arms upgrade, and also have the servo aluminum servo mounts. So I'm gonna start rebuilding that. Uh, you know, today or tomorrow. Get the servos put back in. Also got the Hobbywing 100 amp version three uh, ESC. So that's going to go in next. I'm still waiting for my custom canopy from Canomod. As we it's, all are waiting for your custom canopy. It's been like a week and a half since I've ordered it and it's been paid. Or about a week. Maybe over a little over a week. Like a eight or nine days. Um, and I emailed him yesterday, you know, asking, hey, you know, I haven't heard back in whatever, almost a week, four or five days or whatever since the last email you know, what's going on, and they basically emailed me uh, early this morning stating that, uh, yeah, they're just kind of backed up in production right now, so, uh, you know, I should have uh, a picture of the actual canopy by, in four days, so I'm hoping, you know, by Friday, Saturday, the latest, and then it's coming from, you know, halfway around the world, <laughs> so what is that? Taiwan, China. Oh, is that where they are? Vietnam, maybe. I don't know. Somewhere in the the east. Were they able to do that scheme you wanted where it looked like carbon fiber? They said they could. They said the 380 logo on the top where the motor is won't look right. Okay. Because I guess because it, it's like, um, I guess not embossed, but it's uh, it has like a shadow to it where it's like black and then like the three part is silver or something. Right. So they said that that won't look right, but I said, what about the Goblin logo on the side and the Sab, uh, 380 SAB Heli division on the on the tail boom? And he said, those should be okay. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I'm waiting to get my picture of the actual production canopy that they produced. And, yeah, it's worth the wait, we'll they, they do some good work. They do, and it, I, I, I know I'm going to enjoy it. You know, obviously it has my pilot name, and it has Free Forestry Podcast on it, of course. Um so, you know, and then the color scheme, you know, it's going to be obnoxious. And that's what I want. Flat black? No, that's not obnoxious. Oh, okay. That's just. That's TV. obnoxious when it's on a Harley Davidson. <laughs> yeah, Harley Davidson, that's, that's fine. I like the, uh, what is it, the 848 Iron something, the Sportster 848 Iron something, Iron. Ah, I forgot I the That's model. the one Perry's got. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah, the one Perry. You know, I, I've I've ridden one of those. They're they're weak, they're slow, but you know, they're cool. They're cool for cruising. You know, it's it feels like you're riding a big vibrator because everything vibrates so much. My uh, my seventy three <laughs> is cast iron, dude. The motor's cast iron, so you can imagine what that drives like. Yeah, I ride a sport bike, so everything is light and quick. And dangerous, so. So back to your canopy. Back to my canopy. It's obnoxious. You know, it's bright. I want to see it in the air. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I like to fly as long as possible in the day. And, you know, you leave and there's still probably about two hours more, you know, of sunlight. But it starts to, when the sun, sun starts to go down or it's cloudy out, it's just, it's really hard to see a helicopter. Yep. So I'm hoping the obnoxious colors that I've, I've picked 
we'll make it visible, you know. I wish I could get glow in the dark. No, just kidding. <laughs> no way. So we'll see. And I don't know. Have I released the colors? Did I talk about the colors before? Or no. I don't remember. I know you said something about the carbon fiber coming through. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Hmm. All right. Well, maybe I'll keep it a surprise. If I didn't, if I did say what it is, oh well. If not, when I get them in, I'll definitely post tons of pictures of it, and also of the heli once it's uh, fully built. Cool. So, yep. All right. Uh, let's do the wrap up, Kevin. Wrap it up. I was looking at the Podbean website and I saw that we had a listener in Maine. I don't know if I mentioned that. If I did, I did. Maine. Hmm. Maine. I think so. I didn't see any new countries, though. I don't know if Podbean's just slow every now and then, but uh, it seems like every now and then a few will pop in. And you would think that me being the biggest idiot that I am, I would actually write them down, but I don't. I'm like, oh, that looks new, and then I mention it. So <laughs> whatever. Yeah, it's all good. Even if you shout it out again, it's, yeah. I didn't do the Facebook likes, though. Yeah, so last week, uh, the last one we did was Ken Kohlberg. Uh, so we have, oh, we have two more. Nice. Andrea Woodvine and Darren Woolsey. Darren Woolsey. Stevens? Darren Woolsey. Oh. W-O-O-L-S-E-Y. Okay. Woolsey. Darren yeah. Stevens just went right over your head. Who's Darren Stevens? From Bewitched, dude. Dude, I don't remember anyone's name. I'm, I'm terrible with names. I can't even. I can't wait to write the next one, the next few out. It's gonna be like Chip Douglas. Oh man, don't it's tell me that. Like all don't tell me. Chip Douglas, I know, but don't Chip tell Douglas, me that. you would know. Marsha Brady, you would know. Chip Douglas was uh, my three sons, right? See, you do know that stuff. I know some stuff. I just I don't remember. Like Bewitched is one mid eighties. And Dora? When was Bewitched? Mid-80s or early? No, they had black and white episodes when they first came out. Yeah. That's not mid-80s. So that's what, like 70s? Mid-70s? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. You're killing me. Oh, dude. You... No, I'm serious. Like, you don't even I remember didn't... when MTV played music TV, right? No, I did music video? I, I remember that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then they moved it to MTV2. Yeah, Black and White TV was like 91. Was a, No, dude. I think it was no, like late 60s. I had, color, 70s. I had color television. I remember seeing. Yeah, but even if you had a color television, it didn't mean that all programming was color. No, but. I, I remember times where like it was a lot of Honeymooners, a lot of Black and White, you know, odd couples. Like, But Honeymooners was 50s. They were just like. That was way old, yeah. Repeat syndicated syndicated stuff. I remember black. I remember color TV being. I remember 1976 watching the fleet like come into Manhattan on a color TV when I was a kid. 76. Yeah. Yeah, I was born in 79. Yeah, when I was (laughs) nine years old. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you have a couple years on me, so you would. They were more fresh in your adolescent memory than. Me as a newborn, <laughs> you know, like I'm, yeah, I know a couple of those shows because I watched them syndicated. I can't tell you when they originally aired or anything like that. That's okay. I just like busting your chops. Yeah, I like busting your chops too, old man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Facebook comments. Yeah. I, I, I have to say happy birthday to Chris Breams, man. 
Was Happy it? birthday. His birthday was wasn't too long ago. Uh, yeah. Some of the stuff, man, I might have mentioned before, and some of the stuff, I'm sorry, you guys, if I haven't mentioned it, because a lot of stuff I get on my phone, and especially the comments that we get all via the fa- the uh, the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it sometimes it slips by me, but uh, Chris has been posting a bunch of pictures about the gliders. He's been yeah. having some fun with man, and looks like he's having a great time. And he also yeah. posted a video in reference to his chicken dance comment that uh, we had last episode. Nice. I didn't see the video because I was on my phone. Yeah. Th- so did Chris get the um, – is that new plane out, the new Radiant XL? Yeah. I don't know. Did he get that? I don't know if he got it or he just posted a picture like, you know, like this is what he wants because I know he had is huge. I know he had three in one of the pictures I saw, but I, yeah, I don't yeah, think – Yeah, he had three gliders, that. right. Yeah, because that Radiant XL is like I think over a hundred inch wingspan. Like it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Looks Anyways, like a lot of fun, man. <sighs> yeah, I think he was talking about something like like after an hour of flight, like his neck gets tired or something. Yeah. He gets tired. He has lead. Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but cool, man. Awesome, Chris. Uh, you need a lawn chair. Yeah. I hear you though, dude. I'm flying that radio. Uh, the that uh, kunai, kunai sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have a few website comments. I don't know if you want to read the first one. Sure. Uh, Richard Chung. Thanks, guys, for what you do. You help keep things fun and, oh, yes, have some interesting content. I don't do helis, but FPV and planes. I listen to the heli stuff anyways. Thank you. I want to know more about Kevin's 3D printer. He's his 3D he seems to be having fun, and I'm looking to get started there. One more thing. I want a couple stickers if still available. Are stickers still available, Kevin? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I so, got his address. I'll have to send some out. Okay. Awesome. Send it out. And my 3D printer is the Lutzbot Mini, and I have been having good luck with it. I've been printing nonstop, but I did have some problems over the weekend with uh, the PLA was printing, but the ABS wasn't. And I think I took I took the nozzle out and I tried to clean it, mm-hmm. and, it and it got pretty clogged up. So I might be bathing that in acetone soon to get rid of the rest of it. Yeah, but it's back to printing the PLA. So I'm just getting stuff ready on that. And it's not like your cheapest one. Uh, it's not like, but it is their starter one, uh, and it's been great as a first time nice. 3D printer. Yeah. Oh, man. That just makes me think about my job, dude. I sent you those pictures, right? Yeah. The uh, the freaking laser printer? Laser laser cutter. Yeah. So we have the laser cutter room with the, I, I don't know. That, oh, that the thing laser is pretty cutter big. room. And then we have the room right next to it, which is a 3D printer room, which has the four 3D printers all lined up there. Damn, dude. <sighs> I would get nothing done. It's hard, <laughs> you know, like, especially like, because I want to like, I want to get so much of that stuff, like use so much of that equipment, but I don't want to really have to work late. So it's like, okay, you know, I, I, I try to make some time or I'll, I'll work, you know, I'll stay late a night to, to work on something. But, um, yeah, that laser cutter, you know, new top case. Yeah. Oh, I could cut up to, I think, uh, either three, six, like three, I think I could cut up to like four or five millimeter. Does that still use... SV- of anything. How, how do, what kind of files does that use? SVG. 
OS. Okay. It's like CNC files or laser cutter files. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like, I'm thinking like, whoa, I could cut three to four, like like three to five millimeter of pretty much wood acrylic. I'm like, why can't I cut carbon fiber? I could cut some carbon fiber sheets, you know, like I could make some cool stuff, you know. Yeah. You know, so a uh, new top case out of acrylic or wood or whatever, easy. Cool. That's going to be real easy to do. Um, the only hard part is going to be trying to, you know, our charging cases get that weird uh, how it tapers in at the bottom. But, yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Anyways, let's uh, get back on track here. Yeah. So, yeah. The, Paul, o- the other know? one we had, and we got this a couple weeks ago. I forgot to mention it. Sorry, Paul. Is from Paul Schwartz. And you know damn well he's heard a million times, may the Schwartz be with you. <laughs> I was just about to say that. So let's yeah. not get into that. But uh-huh. he writes, you two knuckleheads get better with each show. One thing worth mentioning is your choice to bring in others, bringing in Kyle and Chris, plus guys from Flight Test or RCHN. Great move. You guys are the ideal advocates for the novice and intermediate pilots. What you are doing is important with the massive uptick of multi-rotor sales. We now have every bonehead with a credit card buying a flying video platform, which is comparatively easy to fly versus collective pitch single rotor. People are out there flying with no regard of their impact on anyone else. I believe your podcast in particular, because of who you two guys are and where you are in the hobby, you can have a noticeable impact on safety awareness and how flying impacts others. You've already spoken to the AMA insurance issue and that bit where Steve's emergency land <laughs> yeah. landed a heli in two-way traffic magically on the double yellow line. I don't know if you can see it from the outside looking in perspective, but I think you guys are on track in terms of moving novice awareness on every every possible level. You guys are getting good enough that will give hope to other pilots who have only been flying for a short time. Your dedication to getting the information out there will take it the rest of the way. From this old farts perspective, you guys are filling a void in this hobby. Sometime or someone has to address what it's like for people starting out, but I think it's more effective because you guys are discovering new stuff every week. The information is, is not coming down from on high. Mm-hmm. To some degrees, you are spreading a bit of what it's like to being in a flying club to the rest of the world, which may not live in an area where it's possible to have a flight club a few minutes away or an hour away. In our <laughs> yeah, case. more like an hour and 15, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> um or to people who don't even have a clue what flight clubs exist. Anyway, sure. good job. Now keep it up and possibly inverted. Paul, now don't let it go to your heads. Uh, I don't know what, what he means by that. Oh, now don't let it go to your heads? We need you just the way you are. I guess he was saying Paul. Uh, uh, like his last name, or, or from Paul or whatever. Dude, thanks yeah. so much, Paul, for the great freaking comment. Yeah, awesome, man. Um, yeah, we'll definitely keep it up. You know, we'll definitely keep this going. And I'm all about flying inverted (laughs) or hovering or crashing inverted. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it's some weeks it's a challenge, I'll tell you, to to put a show together. I didn't think Mm -hmm. it would be, but uh, I'm I'm still having a great time doing it. I know Steve is. And yeah, we're trying to get uh, more guys on the show, you know, every now and then. Mm hmm. Like, uh, it, it does get a little difficult scheduling and and just planning the content, really, right? Like, yeah. you know, how many times can we talk about, uh, oh, you know, 
helicopter safety or you know helicopters or this or that but you know like like this show in general like you know with the rc myths episode you know just kind of just i don't know i guess you found a post or something yeah but you know it just like from one post or one like website it just turned into uh you know a two and a half hour episode <laughs> so well, I get, yeah i get some uh ideas like if i'm driving to work like i'm like oh you know we should do a show about that or whatnot mm-hmm. so yeah we got a few like that yeah yeah we got a we got a we definitely got a list of ideas so we're definitely gonna keep this going um and and yeah thank you for listening yeah we appreciate it thank you very much all right so Podbeam shout outs Simon H zero one started following us, and Easy Dog like ep- liked episode twenty three. Cool. See, he liked all those episodes up to Fred, and then episode twenty three. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's do the outro here. So, yep. Also, if you're in the Central New Jersey area, come join us on June twenty fifth, Saturday, at nine a.m. to nine p.m. For our Freefall RC HeliFest 2016, presented by Tri-County RC Club of New Jersey. Spectators are free. You can come. Uh, we're going to have, you know, member pilots, non-members can come and fly. We are expecting to have a pilot's meet around 10 a.m. You do need a valid AMA to fly, and there is a landing fee. For registration and more info, please visit our club website at www.tcrcnj.com. We're located at 306 Old George Road, North Brunswick 08902 if you have a a helicopter so yeah if you're if you have a helicopter or you're interested in watching some helicopters do some insane things come join us or you just want to come out and say how much we suck that too I hate the podcast but but I can't stop listening (laughs) if you want to meet you know Kevin and myself Steve and Chris Reiber will be there too so you get to meet him too oh that's right yeah so definitely come out and join us Drop us an iTunes review and we'll read it on the next episode. You can email us at free4rc at gmail.com. Facebook, hit us up on Facebook. Um, you know, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com, free4rc podcast. Post pictures of your, your weekend, your flying club, your what your fleet looks like. You know, let's, we'd love to get interactions from our, you know, listeners. Uh, Chris Breams, he he posts tons of stuff, and we really appreciate it. It's awesome, you know. I like to see what our listeners are are flying, you know. Maybe something we've flown or maybe something we want to fly, so we can talk about it and definitely expand on that. Don't forget to check our webpage, freefarcpodcast.com. Chris recently had some new stuff on there, so definitely check that out. We also have our flight test forums managed by Nick Simpson. It's located on the off the field section under audio and video production, other than flight test podcast. And then you'll see us there, Freefall RC Podcast. Kevin, you have anything you want to say before we cl- close it up? Goodbye. No. Okay. Thanks, so- <laughs> thanks everybody. So thanks for all the contributions and uh, posting pictures or dropping us a line or anything. Just It's been awesome, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, we definitely appreciate the feedback, the comments, the ball breaking. Uh, <laughs> call Stacy, call Stacy, call Stacy. Did I say enough time today? Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, also, I mean, if you have any ideas for shows, definitely swing them by our way. We'll definitely consider it. And, and if we can uh, build a good episode around it, we will definitely do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, free our skies, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. See you guys. Later. Yeah, dude, I was...
thinking about one of the shows coming up. We could uh, do like we did, you know, on Facebook. Say, hey, uh, how do you guys feel about this? Uh, or something. I'll have to check the notes. Yeah. Yeah. I still want to get uh, Maj on the show to do like the yeah. RC local hobby shop perspective. I want to get Mike on the show. Again, we'll 